should have had my overnight oats. Welcome on into the Wise Guys. I'm John Tortorelli with my co-host Brennan Capizello and Justin Wright. Today we'll be discussing J-Ray's Super Bowl reactions, getting him into the fold after Valentine's Day, our Ravens and Steelers offseason previews. We've got a lot of Steeler fans around here because our biggest video on this channel is in Pittsburgh where I had a hot take that didn't age so well. And then we're going to shift gears to the NBA. Can the Knicks make the conference finals, Justin, with Jalen Brunson's recent play and a little bit more Jock Vaughn's comments about Ben Simmons' fall race. What's up, gentlemen? Howdy. I miss Howdy, you. partner. I'm You've so sorry hiding. I missed out. I did not want to be in the doghouse for Valentine's Day, so I had to hide in, man. My lady. Mm -hmm. Biden. And one more special topic for today, our top five quarterbacks of all time. So it's going to be an interesting episode. Jay Ray, Brian and I talked a good deal about length. at length, an yeah. hour, uh, about the Super Bowl and some of the issues we had. The grass turf was crappy. The call at the end, uh, he didn't agree with. I didn't quite agree with. You know, one thing that I found interesting was the Eagles defense. I want to get your takeaway. Was the Eagles' defense fraudulent after being up on mediocre NFC East quarterbacks like Dalen Jones all year? I, I wouldn't go as far to say fraudulent. I just say, would want to say that they met their match. I think uh, that's where you got to give credit to Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, Matt Nagy, and everybody else on the offensive side of the ball for the for the Chiefs because that defense did show up against every single opponent that they've played. Yeah, like we've mentioned many times before, 70-plus sacks on the season. I mean, and they were held to zero in the Super Bowl. That's more of a credit to the offensive line. That's a credit to, like I said, everybody on offense. So I'm not going to go as far to say this is a fraudulent defense. No. They just – I mean, they were up 24-14 to 14 at one point. They, they were doing their job. It's just Patrick Mahomes overcame. That whole offense overcame. The defense did their job, made stops when they needed to in the second half. They made the adjustments. Uh, it had they not made the adjustments, we'd be talking about this Eagles defense as one of the best that we've seen in a long time. So I, I would not say fraudulent. I think that's a little too far. You guys mentioned the uh, the grass in the Super Bowl, dude. That was disgusting. What I think jo Jordan Malata said uh, it was like playing on a what like in a water park or something like that. Yeah. That it was disgusting. I mean, we play they play these Super Bowl games indoors for a reason. You know, just so there's no effect with weather. So you'd expect the playing surfaces to be as close to perfect as possible. For Justin, that, you open it up to everything. Justin, did you see the thing that was going around about the, the quote-unquote turf or grass? No, what's up? So apparently there's a report going around that the NFL spent two years and over $800,000 on that field. And that's what came out of it. And that's what came out of it? Yes. Wow, the NFL needs to be really ashamed of themselves. Yeah. Multi-billion. A lot of their stars like that. Multi-billion yeah. dollar company, and you and you create that. It's just that that was the surprising to me. I, me and jo I asked John this question. We both said it was. We believed it was turf. What do you think? Was it turf or grass? I don't know. Wasn't grass kicking up out of there? It looked like dirt. It was a grass turf. It, it was, was grass. grass? Okay. Yep. Okay. So Justin, I look at a stat, and this kind of didn't shock me because we saw it all year. The Eagles' defense gave over 32 points per game to good quarterbacks. Against Jared Goff, they gave up 35. Week one. In week one, yeah. Absolute shootout. Against Trevor Lawrence, Jaguars got 21. 
against Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers and my man, 33 points off against them. The Cowboys, 40 piece, and the Chiefs, 37. The Eagles' defense relied on that pass rush at large, and against the Chiefs, when they didn't get it, you put a lot on those cornerbacks, like James Bradbury. We talked a little bit about his relationship with Juju Smith-Schuster, a little Valentine's Day shout-outs. I felt like their defense was good, but they weren't quite good enough against the run. Against top-flight quarterbacks, we saw them again and again get beat by the pass. I still think Darius Slay is a really good, he's a great player, but when you look at the rest of that secondary, James Bradbury, you're not getting to the quarterback, He'll have those bad moments, those rough patches. And um, I guess Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk had a decent point. There were some vulnerabilities in that Chiefs defense. And you best believe, or sorry, the Eagles defense, and you best believe Andy Reid found them. Yeah, no, he definitely did. I mean, those two touchdowns to Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony were a perfect example. They saw how they were when they switched. And uh, they did a terrible job at it on those two plays. Literally gave up easy walk-in touchdowns. Um, but... On the Super Bowl, all in all, about the Kansas City Chiefs, you just can't really say enough about how spectacular their run has been over the last five, six years. Since Patrick Mahomes has became starting quarterback, or even as far back as since Andy Reid took over in Kansas City, fielding competitive teams year after year after year, and then, you know, really just missing the quarterback to elevate their game. And once you got it, you know, they took a risk in Patrick Mahomes and, and sat, had him sit for a year and... Since then, he's become somebody that now we're going to be debating as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time for years to come. So during the game, you know, watching it, they were down 24 to 14. I don't think any one of us even batted an eye and said this game was over. I think we've seen this Chiefs team do more, more than one uh, remarkable comebacks over Patrick Mahomes' career. So not one bit did I doubt that the Chiefs were going to come back and win this game. Credits to Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts really put on a show. I mean, outside of the fumble, you know, for anybody that was debating what Jalen Hurts can can be and what he is, I think he shut a lot of people up on Sunday. Uh, so that's a great thing for Philadelphia moving forward. They're going to have to pay him out the wazoo, but, hey, it's worth it. You can't, you can't win without a quarterback in this league. But, yeah, I think uh, the Chiefs, you know, one thing I'm going to say, I'm tired of people saying this is they won a championship in a rebuilding year. Not one person, I don't think, at least on our show, had them outside of the top eight entering the season. No one had them missing the playoffs. No one was that dumb, right? Yeah. Nobody had them outside of that top eight. And if you did, then somebody has to go get your brain checked because not one person saw Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid falling that far off a cliff. Yeah, we, we expected some regression because when you take out arguably the most explosive wide receiver in football, you don't know how a quarterback's going to react, especially when that's all he's been playing with all his career. And he showed us exactly what he will be in week one of the NFL season. So uh, it wasn't a rebuilding year, maybe a, a retooling year, absolutely. And, and now they're prime to to go out and win even more next year and, and the years to come well, i think this chiefs team is really gonna set themselves up to become one of the best dynasties we've seen in a long time well i mean well well not a long time but they're, they're gonna dominate for a long time this yeah assuming yes um but we have no idea how the nfl plays we you know we've been fans for a while now we've seen how you know, shoot all the way up one 
and then you come crashing down another not saying it's going to happen but we just have no idea what's going to happen uh but what i wanted to ask you justin is um because you didn't comment on it is how you felt about the 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 flag in the in the time of the game obviously it's it was a great super bowl and, and you hate to see it be decided that way but it is the right call it, it was a flag i mean we could debate whether it's a flag or not but the guy that made the hold said it was a flag said he did it so can't really be mad at it it happens um i hate that it came down to that but if we were on the other side of that as Patriot fans, we would be, you know, lit up in flames, pissed off about it. So it was the right call. Do I wish he didn't throw the flag? Because, you know, it's that late in the game. And I, I hate that a game is decided on the ref's backs that late. Yeah, it probably, probably not. Let the guys play. So, but Justin, so here's what I said. Well, non-objective Patriots fans will be that way, but I think the obvious objective ones can look at it and be like, like now, dude, it, the, the tuck rule, I mean, that what that was a fumble. It was not an incomplete pass. I'm not going to sit here and freaking lie to you people, all right? Like that was, an, that was a fumble, all right? Uh, even Tom Brady, who, who kind of is tongue-in-cheek with it, when he had that 30 for 30, I think it was, or, or with Charles Woodson where they sat yeah. down to watch the game, even at the end, he he kind of slipped up, had a Freudian slip where he said something and Charles caught him in it. But um, listen, I, this is what I'll say to you, Justin, and just hear me out for this point, right? Because you said it's a flag, and Bradbury, who did come out afterwards, said that he did grab me, did tug him, and he hoped that the refs were not going to throw the flag. And me and John had a pretty lengthy discussion about this. First, um, you got to take into consideration how the game has been called the entire way, way through. All right, Bradbury got away with an, uh, probably even worse grab earlier in the game in the first half, and it was not called. We knew from Jump Street that game was not being called the way, you know, games are called in the regular season where they're calling ticky-tacky stuff all the way through. They're they're letting them play football. And a point I made to John was, I think everybody here on the show can agree, and I think all football fans can agree, that's the best type of football. That's the best product to see on the on on your TV or if you're at the game is a game where the refs aren't as much as involved and the players decide the outcome of the game. Um, so what I want to reiterate to you, because I know you didn't you didn't get a chance to check out our, our last show. First, I want to I want to know what do you believe the flag was on? Was it on the initial contact or was it on the secondary contact? I thought it was on the hold when he was turning up field. So the second secondary mm -hmm. contact. Okay, so if it was on the secondary contact, right, that's ticky-tacky at best, and it was not a flag. All he had was his hand on his back. So what I told the John is, and he believed the same thing you did. It was the secondary contact that the flag was thrown on. I believe that the majority of people think it was the initial contact where, you know, Juju cuts in, and then he cuts out, and you can see, kind of see that Bradbury gets his hand on him. That's what I believe people believe the uh, flag was thrown on. If that was the flag, the initial contact, the flag was thrown incredibly late. Also, John, I did actually finally see a clip of the flag being thrown. It was a over a kind of an overhead shot 
You want to know when the flag was thrown? It came just across the screen. It was thrown when the ball hit the turf. The ball was already incomplete. That's when the flag was thrown. Yeah, so Michael Wilbon, oh, hold on, Justin, sorry. I got to call Michael Wilbon and Ryan Clark on national television. First take, lied, lied to the people because they said the flag was thrown on time and the refs didn't swallow it. They didn't throw it late. You lied because I saw the flag now. I saw it and the ball was already incomplete. So if it was the initial contact, the flag was thrown incredibly late, and I absolutely despise that in any sport, any sport. And yes, he said it was it was a tug and respect to James Bradbury, but this goes back to a discussion me and John had when you weren't here, Justin, too, the, the episode previous, where we talked about the uh, um, hip drop tackles. If you heard that report, that they're mm -hmm. planning to have an active discussion. And me and John did not like that at all. We think that defenders are, you know, being to told to think way too much before they even make a tackle. Now they have to care about your safety while they're tackling you. Uh, and we both despise that. We think that, well, me personally, I made this point. you got to throw the defenders a freaking bone here. Just throw them a little bone. So there is contact allowed within five yards. And I've seen the screenshot people sent around of the actual ruling. You're not allowed to grab and you're not allowed to tackle inside of five yards, but you're allowed to make contact. I'm sorry, but I'll go as far as to say, if you're not like completely grabbing and making an insane tug or basically tackling the guy, I'm cool with a little hand checking and whatnot. And a little Jersey grab, if it's not insanely, you know, abhorrent. All right. Because I need I need the defenders to be throwing a freaking bone here. I need the I I want physicality physicality to be brought back to the game, because it is football and it's a physical sport. It's a violent sport. So that that that's my whole point with it. I, I just I hate it. And I know you said the game shouldn't be decided on a flag. It, it shouldn't. Like either one of those should not decide the outcome of a game. And people saying it didn't, it a hundred percent did because there was no time left on the clock. The Eagles had no timeouts. So that that's that's my whole point with that. I just I hated it every way through. I have a problem with either of the contacts, whichever the flag was thrown on, I have a problem with. And yeah, I just I, I don't appreciate that being thrown there. Yeah. Jared, do you have I want to shift the gear a little bit to uh the Eagles offense. So Jalen Hurts played a fantastic game. I thought he outplayed Mahomes, but Mahomes played a great game better in the stat sheet. Would you pay Hurts forty four million dollars this offseason, go all in long term, and feel comfortable if you're the Eagles given how the Carson Wentz saga ended. Uh, I'd probably hold off. I'd go another year, man. I think given – I mean, the only, only perk about paying him now is well, if he goes out next year and wins an MVP, that, that price tag goes up even more. So it's probably – I guess it's better to just pay now than have to pay more later. So I, I would say that, yeah. It's also risky too because he hasn't had the fifth-year option. So after this year, this mm. fourth season – Single rounds in the market, unlike most first-round quarterbacks that get that opportunity. You know what's crazy? I saw a wild, uh, wild stat. Most of not really a stat, but that Patrick Mahomes' his big ten-year, five hundred and three million-dollar deal. By the time Herbert, Lamar, all these other guys sign their contracts, he's probably going to have the seventh highest cap hit. Yeah, Brad and I were talking about that a little bit, where he was only taking up 17% of his team's cap, and most quarterbacks are taking up more than that. Uh, 
which Pat Mahomes. No, no. My, my, our discussion, Ju Justin, he's lying to you. Our discussion was that he said Patrick Mahomes is taking a pay cut like a Tom Brady. And I said, no, he's not. He's making his money. It's just more down the line. Tom Brady took considerably under market value. Guy was making mm -hmm. $25 million or less. His last year, this last year, he made like $15, $18 million. Yeah. That's complete. Like Mahomes, you, you, you read the contract out, John. He's making 55, 59 for two of those years. That that's still insane. Brady never sniffed that in a single year. That was my point. Yeah, that is insane. But yeah, if I'm the Eagles, you, I guess, I guess you pay him now. You don't yeah. want to. Yeah. He wins an MVP next year. Oh man. Have fun with that price tag. Because imagine guys like you're going to have to pay Devonte Smith at some point. I'm assuming Miles Sanders isn't going to be sticking around the way uh, everybody. He's a free agent, Justin. Yeah, so I, I view a lot of people around the league view running backs, even you guys, as re replaceable. If you're not putting up Derrick Henry-like numbers, then I'd say you could find somebody else. Yeah, so Miles Sanders, see... he can go. Yeah, Miles Sanders is probably out. James Bradbury is gone. He's a free agent and also. If yeah. Who doesn't for agents and uh, I made this point. They could probably sign a good amount to one year deal until the Hurts contract kicks in. So you can retain Javon Hargrave. You can probably go cornerback in the draft. And then if Fletcher Cox retires, you have Jordan Davis to plug right on in. Uh, I think the Eagles are in good shape and in prime position actually to be the favorite in the NFC. But it's really going to depend on, uh, I guess, just health for the team, like any team. Because uh, the 49ers, if they had some health at quarterback, I think they would have played in the Super Bowl. Um, not like the Eagles had much of a fight in that game. So, would you guys like to talk about our top five quarterbacks of all time first or, or off-season preview? Let's hit in that top five quarterbacks. Top five quarterbacks of all time. Now, how, how do you guys five, want to do this? Top five quarterbacks of all time is a weird thing because when you ask that question, I think we all expect it to be the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But when I do this, I sometimes think of the best quarterbacks I've ever saw and the best quarterbacks of all time. So, which one are we going with here? What's going to be the criteria? Okay, the criteria is as always has been, and I don't understand why people have created this alternative criteria. No, 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 no. Because John, I'm sorry, but I you you again, you're a smart man. You listen, you have two ears, okay? Just like everybody else. And you hear how these players talk to each other, okay? And how they pull out their instant pullout is what? What do they bring up instantly? Kiss the freaking rings, okay? It, so if they're making their own argument with the rings, then I am allowed to make the argument too with the rings. Are you going to sit here and say to somebody on a team that won a championship, if they told you, John, I'm a Super Bowl champion, I won a Super Bowl, or I won an NBA Finals, you're going to sit there and tell them, no, you didn't. You were part of a team that won. That's what you're going to tell them? So I want to hear it. Is that what you're going to tell? And is that what everybody else is going to tell that that person? Like, are you going to sit Troy, there and say Troy Brandon Aikman Jacobs? A top five quarterback of all time? No, are you, gonna, are you going to sit there and say Brandon Jacobs didn't win a Super Bowl for the New York Giants? I feel like this is irrational, Connor, from a defense. It's not team. irrational because I, this is where the criteria gets a little foggy. So the criteria has been what it's always been. It's you take the person's career in its totality. So I will put it, I'll put it to you like this. Talent, you look at talent, pure talent. You look at accomplishments and accolades. You look at the stats. You look at the intangibles. You, you look at the eye test. 
longevity, and consistency. That is how you range a player in an all-time great category. Those are the things you look at. That is the criteria. The talent thing is just who's the best quarterback. <laughs> That's it. Who's the best quarterback who has the most accolades? That's what we're going to do. Let's keep it simple. Consistency slash longevity. Longevity, hmm. performance. No. I always love to do the who, who would you rather have in your prime, in their prime, you know? I feel like that's a big way. To and that's who would be the best quarterback, peak for peak. Not everybody. That's one of the. That's, that's not. That's not how it's been. I know people always like to change it. It's it, that's not how it's been. You just people like to change the, the narrative and the argument to fit their own argument so they can make a better case well, for somebody that they want to put in there. We're that is the thing that they're doing. Had Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes hasn't played long enough to be in the top. So. That's why I asked that question. So longevity, you want to take longevity out? Longevity doesn't matter anymore? Because you're the guy who's making the case for LeBron James over Michael Jordan, and longevity was a key thing in your argument. Yeah. You just I'm null and voided your own argument. I can't hear you. Two different sports. Patrick Mahomes. Come on, man. You can't do that, John. Stop with the cop-outs. Two different sports. We do it all the time. We compare things. No. You're allowed to compare things. They're sports, man. When you're ranking all-time players, football is much more team-based. Basketball is more driven off of stars. I mean, We understand that. What's... So how are we going to do this top five? Are we all going to go? We're going brands way. All right, but I'm saying, are we starting with five, and you do five, you, then I'll do my five, or? That's fine. We can do that. I mean, if you want to take longevity out of it to put Mahomes in there, that's fine by me. But the other things are completely plausible to look at in terms of how you rank a quarterback all time, or just so, current day. So let's see what you got, B. You want me to start? Yeah. yeah. All right, so my number five. All-time quarterback, I go with Drew Brees. Greatest, uh, well, not greatest. Um, most accurate quarterback in terms of uh, percentage. You let's go look at the stats. Uh, I believe he has the most 5,000-plus yard seasons. Uh, he doesn't have the record anymore for single season. Peyton broke that, I'm pretty sure, in his Denver Bronco year. Um but yeah, he was robbed of an MVP in 2011. I truly believe he deserved that over Aaron Rodgers. And I just think I I believe Drew Brees is 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 very under underappreciated. I wouldn't say underrated. Underappreciated. A lot of people don't talk about him because of you know the years where the Saints didn't have a great defense backing him. Uh, and even though he was putting up MVP numbers, they were going eight and eight, seven and nine, and the defense wasn't able to do anything. Uh, but you saw when the defense was there, Drew Brees was there. I mean, a lot a, a lot of people tend to forget that that the infamous other uh, insane non-flag that was thrown, Saints-Rams, where that one is the b most blatant flag you could possibly get at, and nobody would have had a problem with you throw the flag and you swallowed it there. But, yeah, I start off with Drew Brees as my number, f uh, number five quarterback of all time. Respect. My number five quarterback of all time. It's a former Pittsburgh Steeler, Johnny oh Unitas. What? Was he really a Pittsburgh Steeler? He was drafted by the Steelers in 1955 and then later waived by the team. Johnny would go on to be a 10-time Pro Bowl or 5 Wait, John, are you pulling our chain right now? Is he really your number five quarterback of all time? Yes. 
Okay, because I I wouldn't believe that if you would have told. Okay, I just the I mean pre nineteen seventy five pre merger he was the best quarterback and a couple of different options Otto Graham Fran Tarkenton playing the seventies with Terry Saul Bradshaw but United I'm going with because he was the quintessential quarterback before the eighties before Marino before Elway before Favre from the nineties and I want to give him a shout out here three time uh three time AP MVP one time champ and the best player from the 1960s. Old head here. I respect that, John. I respect that. You're wrong, but I respect it. I I respect that. I just, you know, you guys know me when it comes to old school, when it goes that far back. Justin hates Uh, old people. He is an ageist. Justin is ageist. Old old people are very sweet. They're very sweet people. They're very kind. But not in my top five. Uh, My top five, at least fifth, like Brandon, I did put Drew Brees on that list. Uh, I'm one of those guys where, you know, I, I like to put people on my list that I've actually seen. And I've seen, you know, Drew Brees' greatness for basically all my life. And, and Brandon hit it right up the nail on the head. The guy was throwing for nearly 5,000 yards in seven and nine seasons. Drew Brees, second all-time in passing yards, at least second all-time in touchdowns as well. That's That's not by an accident. That's not because he was stat padding. And it's not like he was playing, I mean, besides uh, Marquise Colston and, and a couple other guys that he had until Michael Thomas and them, he didn't have any game-breaking wide receiver like an Andre Johnson or Calvin Johnson at that time either. He was just putting up big-time numbers with guys like Jimmy Graham, and then Jimmy Graham left, and he was still kept throwing up numbers. I think Drew Brees very much so is underrated and not talked about enough when we talk about greatest quarterbacks, because had he had a very good defense, uh, I'd say he'd be competing in way more NFC title games. I think he's only played in two or three in his career. And the first two happened way back in what, 05 and, and 2010, 07 and 2010. So yeah, if you just gave that guy a good defense, I, I think we'd be talking about Drew Brees playing in a couple more Super Bowls. And we got robbed of a Drew Brees, Tom Brady Super Bowl. We did. Yeah. We got robbed of a couple of great matchups. Um, yeah, another thing on Drew Brees is the the tra- the road he had to travel from Miami, where he actually or not sorry Miami, um, San, San Diego, Diego, San Diego, where he actually played pretty good in San Diego, and then he had the terrific, uh, uh, terrible injury, I should say, where some people thought he would never play again. Um, and uh, he he didn't – I don't think he passed the physical to go to Miami. That's when Nick Saban took over as the Miami Dolphins head coach. And then he went to New Orleans, and the rest is NFL history. He was able to obviously overcome that injury and, for me, become the fifth greatest quarterback of all time. But also, just you brought up a great point. Look at the weapons he had. To, you know, he created Marquise Colston. Marquise was, a, what, a sixth or seventh-round draft pick. Yeah. Jimmy Graham was nothing – after he left Drew Brees. I mean, Aaron Rodgers couldn't get anything out of him. Russell Wilson couldn't get anything out of him. It was Drew Brees that made that guy. People were saying he's the best tight end in football when Gronk was at his peak of powers. Yeah, That's how great Drew Brees made him look. And then you got those other underrated guys that are, I'm, I'm foggy on their names. I know they had the speedsters and, uh, um, and some other guys that play with them. Uh, Reggie Bush, I know they had the running back for a little bit, but yeah. I love Drew Brees. And I think, you know, using if they, if the argument probably would be like, you know, oh, he had Sean Payton. It's like, I never, I will never discredit somebody for having a great head coach or great teammates around them. I never will do that. 
because I just don't think it's fair. You need a great team to have success. We all understand that. Um, so, yeah, I'll give more credit to a guy who doesn't have that around him and has great success, but I will not take away credit from somebody who does have that, especially those, when they're that consistent. Like, yeah, go ahead, John. Some of those other receivers you may be thinking of are Lance and Moore. Oh, yeah. With Drew Brees. Yes. Kenny Sills. Yeah. Kenny Stills. There's a T in there. My apologies. I know he had 10 good for a little bit. He did a 10 to Ted. 10. Jesus. And uh, there are some years as well. Michael Thomas. We've seen since then. Thomas has gone from being top five receiver in the league all time season to playing eight games the last three years. Obviously, Mm. Brees is not the only reason why Thomas has fallen off. But there are a lot of different receivers where he made them a lot of money. And I respect you guys for taking Brees there. Um, all right, so next up for me, number four, I'm taking the quoting Stephen A. Smith, the bad man himself, Aaron frickin' Rodgers, the fourth greatest quarterback. I'm, I'm so happy you said that because I got so much shit on Instagram for saying that he's a top five quarterback. Yeah, it's right. because, again, it's because of how spoiled people have been as a, they, they compare him to a Montana or a Brady when you shouldn't do that like one super bowl is phenomenal mm-hmm. okay it is you did something a lot of people don't do okay uh i mean i, I don't think dan marino is gonna be on our top five list he's in my top 10 but he's not in my top five he never won a super bowl like it's incredibly hard guys it really is um so yeah super bowl champion super bowl mvp Four-time MVP in the regular season. I think that's second all-time to Peyton, who has five. Four-time first-team All-Pro, one-time second-team, ten-time Pro Bowler, four-time passing rating, passer rating leader, two-time passing touchdown leader, a passing uh, completion percentage leader. This guy is going to be booked in first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, th- this the touch. He's got the best touchdown interception ratio in NFL history. Four hundred and seventy-five touchdowns. To 105 interceptions. That's ludicrous. And you know, his his biggest comparison uh, was Dan Marino. People compared him to Dan Marino. And I believe Dan Marino has almost 100 plus more interceptions than than Aaron Rodgers does. We have, we have, uh, we have, and I, I guess they would compare the arm talent, but we have not seen a quarterback, and I, you know, this goes back to the Mahomes versus Rogers talent debate. And I take Rogers in that uh, discussion because of this fact, we have not seen a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, where he is so accurate. Patrick Mahomes do all no Cause he turns the ball over way more than Aaron Rodgers does. Um, Aaron Rodgers has a, a season where he threw 48 touchdowns to five interceptions. That's literally unbelievable numbers. Okay. Um, he also has a 45 and six season, 40 and seven. I, I can literally keep going. It's absolutely ridiculous, John. So we have not seen a guy like Aaron Rodgers. Mahomes has put up a couple of good seasons with less than 10 interceptions, but not like Rodgers. I'd say this year wasn't far off. 308 a game, one MVP, just 12 interceptions. And when you look at the fumbles too, because you know that comes into the uh, turnover equation, he only had... One lost fumble in the season. John, he went 11 straight years with throwing under uh, nine interceptions. Hmm. You know, 
I like the quarterback who produces and actually wins the Super Bowl too. That's see, he did win a Super Bowl again. See what I mean, Justin? See what he did? He did win a Super Bowl. John, I ask you, if Aaron Rodgers is playing with an Andy Reid, mm-hmm. does he have more than one? Yeah, without a doubt. I think I think head coach means a uh, uh, means a lot in this conversation. Like again, I, I get I get your. But point, is Aaron John? as coachable as Patrick? That's another question here. There's also, you know, a respect thing, too. I think Andy Reid walks into a room. I think he commands your respect. Uh, wait, did you just say Aaron Rodgers is not coachable? See, again, I think you're forget- You're looking at the Aaron Rodgers now and not the Aaron Rodgers that came out in college because if you knew Aaron Rodgers' compl- um, um, throwing style got completely reworked and changed out of college because it was funky and bad. Uh, so he has he's shown that he is incredibly coachable. Uh, you're looking at the Rodgers now, who is completely sure of himself, and you're 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 goddamn right. He has a say in what how he does things because he's Aaron freaking Rodgers, and he's shown you that he can be an MVP in this league every single year. That's how damn good when you when you are that good for that damn great, you 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 get a couple of uh you know perks, you do. So Patrick Mahomes will will be afforded that very soon, if not already. That's my fourth greatest quarterback of all time, John. I hand it. John, John, before you go, I'll take it because I also have Aaron Rodgers fourth. I'm assuming that you have somebody different at that fourth spot. So, and he's smiling. He has that that Joker smile. I I know that he has somebody else. But yeah, so much like Brandon, I do have Rodgers as my fourth all time greatest quarterback. You know, he gets a lot of crap for his postseason appearances and everything that says that he's a crappy playoff quarterback. I always say, you know, when I talk about LeBron, I say you can make so many excuses for his career in the big moments. Uh, and I, I could say the same thing a little about Aaron Rodgers when talk about the Seahawks game, a, a botched onside kick. You, know, you hang on to that. Packers are going to the Super Bowl. Packers defense has been historically bad when it comes to those NFC title games, whether it be getting absolutely fried against the Atlanta Falcons and so many games where the defense let them down. And I'm not going to say Aaron Rodgers is completely, you know, not at fault for any of these, these games, because yes, he's made his mistakes as well. But when you have a a much more complete team, we probably see Aaron Rodgers in in a couple more Super Bowls as well. Um, So I'm not going to knock his playoff losses and say, this is going to put him out of the conversation. He did win a Super Bowl. He did beat Troy Palomalu in in that tough Steelers defense when he was a young buck and is what what year was that when he was starting was that his third year as a starter second year as a starter second or third okay second year as a starter so I don't ran the gauntlet by the way he ran the he went four and oh so he had to start on the wild card and went all on the road yep yep so you got to give Aaron Rodgers his respect and I know over the last couple of years he's uh his name has come into light and whether it be how you feel about his stance on vaccinations or, or or whatever that none of that matters aaron Rodgers on the field is Justin, one of the most legendary what happened just be curious <laughs> he's what one of the more legendary quarterbacks of all time yeah uh, also you know, also justin you know john might bring up the losses against uh his faults against 40 uh san francisco like let's not forget san francisco had a top flight defense every time that they played each other every time, that's yeah. like saying Tom thing. Brady that's, that's like saying Tom Brady had down games against Baltimore or Peyton had down games against New England 
like you know these are great you know units going teams. at each other yeah great teams units the ruse out meant units oh yeah at time on his side he didn't have the defense to back him yes or the special teams yeah, Mason Crosby. Right. Well, I've seen many games of the special teams. This Mason out. Crosby won in that game against uh, uh, Dallas. Mm. Mm. I remember the backup tenant who costed him in uh, Seattle. Brandon Bostic. No. Packers legend. Yeah. Too soon. Legend. I remember his first his first playoff game uh, was against that uh, Kurt Warner led Cardinals, and that game was insanely high scoring. I think it went into overtime, and the last play was Rodgers getting sacked, and he uh, fumbled the ball. But you know, just showed you he could go tit for tat with you. He could. He yeah. could. I mean, those Cardinals teams are very fun with Carson Palmer and Bruce Arians. Yeah, you can say that because you got one up on them. I did. Not on Carson Palmer. Steelers oh, I did. Yeah, yeah, Steelers. Yeah, yeah, the Steelers beat the. Yeah, the Steelers. Yeah, beat Bruce. Bruce helped us in those Super Bowls. He was on our side the first yeah. time we played them. So, my fourth greatest quarterback of all time. It's a little bit funny to me. I've went back and forth between these two guys. And I really don't want to pick the same quarterback as you two. Oh. So. No, if you believe it, John, just pick the guy. Don't just be different to be different. I hate that. I'm having a hard time here. But when you're trying to find the slight edge and it's like a toss-up between these two quarterbacks, like, oh, man. And that's why I'm going to go with Peyton Manning at number four. So. We That's look a at the low for me. Yeah, it is a bit low for you. How about the Super Bowl, Justin? Uh, I remember 2013, one of the greatest quarterback seasons in NFL history, the greatest to me, but it can't be. He had three turnovers against one of the greatest defenses of all time, and his team lost by 35 points. I look at his Super Bowl win in 2015. That was a year where Peyton was done at that, done at that point. Uh, Brock Osweiler played a pretty big role as well in that playoff run. And in the Super Bowl, he had 141 yards and no touchdowns. Peyton Manning, all-time, maybe the best regular season quarterback. But I look at the Super Bowls and I'm unimpressed, um, quite frankly. Now, five-time regular season MVP, that holds a lot of weight. But when you enter this realm, my friends, we have to, as Brand says, take everything into consideration. And if the guys I have coming up next, I don't think Peyton was a big enough big-time performer in the biggest of moments to be my top three. No, that, I mean, that's the, that's the argument against Peyton is the, the playoff um, uh, shortcomings and the Super Bowl shortcomings. We all know Peyton wasn't the best in outdoor weather. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that, that is the argument, you know, is just not having that much success in the, in the postseason. So it's a fair argument. I'm sorry, but I, I really can't name three quarterbacks outside of Tom Brady that are better than Peyton Manning. You just name one of them. Yeah, we all know who his number three is going to be, Justin. Um, so I guess let's go on. Since you hit Peyton Manning, I'll go number three all time. Obviously, the Chief, the Commander, Omaha, Omaha, Peyton Manning. All right. This guy was basically, he changed, I mean, John didn't mention, this guy literally changed the game in terms of how quarterbacks are looked at and how quarterbacks call the game. Uh, he was basically an offensive coordinator on the field. Uh, Peyton ran the show. Two-time Super Bowl champ, Super Bowl MVP, five-time NFL MVP, two-time offensive player of the year, comeback player of the year, because you remember he had the 
the, the bad injury, he had to do something that Drew Brees did where people thought, is this guy going to even be able to throw the football ever again? Next surgery. Yeah. And then he came in and had three pretty damn great seasons until he, he fell off the cliff in the last one. Uh, Seven-time first, first team All-Pro, which is absolutely ridiculous. That's got to be the record. Three-time second team All-Pro, 14-time Pro Bowl. I could go on and on and on. Like John said, he's arguably the greatest regular season quarterback of all time. I think it's really him <clears throat> him and um, uh, Aaron Rodgers and maybe Drew Brees in, are in that conversation. But I, I just can't get over Peyton because of, of how the game and how many current quarterbacks and how many quarterbacks that we just named looked at and studied Peyton Manning to become Peyton. I mean, Brady looked up to Peyton, admired Peyton when he was coming up because Peyton was the it kid before Brady got in there, even though Brady was beating him. Peyton was putting up the numbers. Uh, so I, I won't I won't slight Peyton. I love Peyton. He did have his shortcomings in the Super Bowls and in the postseason. But, you know, got to give that man his respect. The Chief, first battle Hall of Famer, Peyton Manning. The newly inducted first ballot. Yes. Respect. Shout out. So, so I think I pretty much gave away the rest of my list anyway. Um, when when I said what I said about Peyton Manning. So for number three, I'm going to go Joe Montana. Joe Montana obviously anchored one of the greatest dynasties in, in football history. Uh, if not the greatest or second greatest behind New England. Joe Montana was played with the greatest wide receiver of all time, elevated so many people's games, uh, probably without some injuries, probably goes on to win some more Super Bowls, more than four. And I think one of the things that stands out to me about Joe Montana's career is even after he left uh, San Francisco, he still went on to KC and had great had a great year with them too. Uh, I think Joe Montana is the closest thing to probably what we could say is, is a Tom Brady. And Tom Brady, you know, Bodied his game after him, idolized him growing up. So I'm going to go with uh, Joe Montana at number three. Okay, Jerry, I see you. Now, you don't know which other quarterback I was talking about before, but you clearly think I'm talking about one of two guys. That are... Wait, John, John, before you go. John's about to drop I want, Patrick. I want, I, want to, I want to get mine out of the way, my number two, because Justin just mentioned him. My number two the second greatest quarterback of all time is Joe Montana, Joe cool. Or as uh, you know, in the water boy, they said Joe Montana. All right. Um, thought I'd get a little bit more of a pop out of that. <laughs> I messed up. Um, but before Tom Brady was the goat, it was Joe Montana. So uh, that's where my disagreement with, with Justin is. And I know he's probably going to put Peyton number two. Uh, I, I don't think you can do that because Tom Brady was chasing Joe Montana. Uh, and it wasn't until Brady became the GOAT that he uncrowned Montana. So everybody knows before Brady was the GOAT, it was Montana. He was chasing him. It was four, the four for four. Montana was basically the MJ that Tom was chasing. Uh, like I said, four for four in Super Bowls. Never threw an interception in the Super Bowl. Arguably the greatest Super Bowl quarterback of all time, if you look at his numbers and his performances. Uh, in an era where passing wasn't obviously as prevalent as it is now, the guy put up 
some pretty good numbers. Uh, he didn't win into his MVPs until basically his last two starting seasons in San Francisco. Uh, but dude, in 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 his in his second season starting, his first season starting, he got put in halfway through uh, towards the end. But his first season starting in 1981, played all 16 games, 13 and three. Uh, and had a 64% completion percentage, which is outrageous for 1981. That is mind-boggling. 3,500 yards, which is pretty goddamn good for 1981. And he went on to win a Super Bowl and a Super Bowl MVP, I believe. Uh, so for me, it is Joe. And and also just, uh, I mean, he's a part of one of the greatest dynasties of all times to the San Francisco 49ers, which also bled into the Steve Young ones. But you also got to give the credit to Joe and Bill Walsh, who really revolutionized the passing game as well. Uh, the passing game we know now, the West Coast offense, is is what started. It was built off of what Bill Walsh and Joe Montana created with Jerry Rice as well. I shouldn't forget him. Uh, it's what it, it's based off of what they created back then. We have just taken it obviously to a whole nother level. But the Basic and fundamentals was Bill Walsh and, and, and that 49ers offensive system. So you got to give them credit to that. They were way ahead of the time. Mm. Uh, I give my credit to Joe Montana. We all know the the catch or the drive. I think John, um, John brought that up, the 92-yard drive against the Cincinnati Bengals in the Super Bowl. So for me, it's Joe Montana, number two. So Montana's not my number two, but I do want to add on to that. A little fun fact. Montana didn't get Jerry Rice until after their second Super Bowl, after they beat Ken Anderson and Dan Marino. And then by his fourth Super Bowl against John Elway, that guy has five touchdowns and not a single turnover, as like Brandon said. Big game, Joe. Joe Cool. If there was any quarterback I wish I could have flashed back in time to watch, it would have been Joe. Out of all the quarterbacks, Marino, Elway, Bradshaw, any of them. Favre, I was just old enough to watch. It is far and away, Joe. Because as Brand said, before Tom Brady, the best quarterback was Joe Cool. So my number three will be Aaron Rodgers. And it's a little bit of a funny one, right? Because I have him above Peyton Manning. Why exactly is that? Look, I think the Packers organization, since their 2010 championship with an elite defense, has completely failed Aaron. Whether it's been coaching, special teams, or defense. Utter failure. And at 39 years old, I think this guy's better go to whether it's Vegas or or the Jets, and continue to build off his legacy that he's already established as a four-time league MVP. This last season, he was pretty good, a top six, top seven quarterback. And keep in mind, the guy is showing no signs of slowing down. Now, we don't see the signs of slowing down until you slow down like Breeze, like Manning. But I believe with Aaron, he takes much better care of his body than most of these other guys, and that he can play into his 40s. So I want to give him his respect on that note. Didn't become a starter until his age 25 season, so he's going to his 15th year as a starter. But as Brand said, when you look at his ability to take care of the football and the plays he makes, there's not a more bad man. Honestly, I have all the veterans today, not somebody you trust more among the old heads, because of course we have Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow, the old timers, the guys above 30 years old. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is the last quarterback from our childhood that's extended a gap between the days of Favre, Brady, and Bruce to nowadays Burrow, Mahomes, Josh Allen. And I, I really do believe he's going to put on two or three more all-pro caliber seasons. This year was what would be an aberration. This guy is absolutely a top seven quarterback. And I've seen some people dare to say that Jalen Hurts may be better quarterback after this year. Let's slow it down a little bit because he has had no me in the bone around him. 
And I, uh, I even think for Matt LaFour, as long as, as well as Mike McCarthy, he has done wonders for his head coaches. Yep. Yeah, think about this, too. Because Stephen A. likes to bring this point up. Matt LaFleur, when he got the head coaching job for the Packers, his offense in Tennessee was ranked 20, it was either 22 or 27th in the NFL. And Aaron Rodgers won two MVPs with that guy. Go ahead, Justin. Or number two, right? Number two. Number two. Because I feel like you guys weren't too kind to him. I mean, you guys respect him. But uh, when you look at his playoff stats, you know, that's the thing you guys want to highlight. His playoff stats, his Super Bowl numbers, all of that. Peyton Manning, the sheriff, is my number two. John, you said it. Greatest regular season quarterback of all time. Five-time MVP. Hall of Famer. First ballot. No debate. Uh, probably one of the one of, if not the smartest quarterback of all time. Got called his own plays. Uh, and he had head coaches like John Fox, Jim Caldwell. I'm not disrespecting them, but they are not on the level of Belichick or an Andy Reid, even a Mike Tomlin or a Harbaugh. I don't see them on that level. So Peyton Manning was never playing with no Hall of Fame coach outside of Dungey. And, you know, you guys want to throw all these uh, postseason numbers at me. Can anybody tell me what's his record in AFC championship games? Well, he's been to four Super Bowls, so he's got four wins. And he's been there five times. So Peyton Manning is 4-1 and one in the AFC championship game. Yeah. He's beaten Tom Brady three times in the AFC championship game. The Manning brothers have, have stopped Tom Brady from about five more Super Bowl appearances. The one thing standing in Tom Brady's way, the, and they knew it going into each and every year. And this is the thing. I, if, I know for a fact both of you guys have Tom Brady number one. His lone competition, the one person that constantly was standing in his way to get into a Super Bowl, it was always going to be Peyton Manning. That was the person that he had to beat in the dance. And when he got to the AFC Championship game, as much as I love Tom Brady, against Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning had the upper hand three times. That says yeah. a lot. And, and this is, and I'm talking, Peyton Manning shredded a New England defense, I think his second to last AFC title game, where he threw for almost 400 yards against us. Two touchdowns, no picks, went on to go to the Super Bowl. They lost. Even the year that he won the Super Bowl, his final season, when he beat New England in the AFC title game, still was just a hell of a game manager. He didn't throw for over 200 yards. It was about 170, 160, still two touchdowns, no picks, no turnovers, which is unlike Peyton Manning. But Wait, in those last two – The Carolina one? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 141 yards in that Super Bowl. Yeah, and two touchdowns. No, no picks. I'm talking in the AFC title game. Oh, my fault, my fault. Yeah, okay. AFC title game. So I, when you guys mention all these playoff numbers, yeah, it's, it's sure we can point to the New Orleans Super Bowl uh, where he threw the pick six that, you know, pretty much iced the game. Or we could talk about the Seattle debacle. That was probably the worst Super Bowl I've ever watched in my life. Okay. But other than that, I, I'm not going to use those against him in his argument as one of the greatest of all time because it's – I honestly believe – I don't think there's really much of a debate. I think if you sit down and you watch Peyton Manning's career in its entirety. It's not much of a debate. No. 
there, if you watch his career in its entirety and you tell me outside of Tom Brady that there's a quarterback better than him, I think you're absolutely nuts. What if I told you, Jerry, oh, one Super Bowl, Aaron Rodgers has as many touchdowns as Peyton Manning in four? Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't move no needle for me. Like, Peyton Manning still has two Super Bowls and four appearances. Aaron Rodgers has one Super Bowl, Bowl and was, one appearance. Yeah, but we also have Bowl, to take into context, Justin. We have to take into context. No, no, because you know what? I feel like a, too Brock many people. Osweiler. What happened? It's... The second Super Bowl, they could have won Brock Osweiler. Yeah. It was and the, the first Super Bowl. Like, like we bring up. Do you think Brady. they win that AFC Championship game with Brock Osweiler? They Against a... who? Against what, the what, what, what was Peyton numbers in that game? That game they was got like bailed out by Pittsburgh in the divisional round. The Steelers and I. That's out. my point. It was twenty to eighteen. Peyton Manning played a near perfect game managing game that you could ask for. He didn't do too much. He did just enough. You're telling me that New England wouldn't have baited Brock Osweiler into something into one turnover. We don't win that game with Brock. They as a baited Peyton into a lot of stuff too, and he I did mean, not throw a pick. No, no, not in that game. I'm talking in 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 his entire career. Oh, in his entire career, yeah, sure. But I'm I'm talking I mean, in that game, like him saying that they could have won a Super Bowl with Brock Osweiler. I don't even think they get past Tom Brady with Brock Osweiler. Granted, Osweiler did beat them earlier in that season, in the regular season in uh, in Mile High. But I really can't think of any quarterback that that stacks up next to a guy like Peyton Manning. So we're looking at his AFC Championship games now. Yeah, he's so, a player coach. He was 53% completion percentage in that game, Justin, against New England. Yeah. 176 yards, two touchdowns, no interception. His QBR was a 36. Didn't turn the ball over, right? No, he didn't, but he had a 50. He, he completed 17 of 32, okay? Yeah, the guy's arm was hang, hanging off the that's, side of That's him. what we're saying. I know. And then you want to look at his Super Bowl numbers against Carolina, 13 to 23. I, I'm not giving him all the credit for that Super Bowl. That That's all. But he had an 8.6 QBR in the Super Bowl. An that defense, the defense carried him. Sure. That's what we're saying sure. to you. Yes, that's fine. It's the same thing but about- at the same time, isn't he still needs to do his job. Did he, he turn the no. If we're looking, if Justin, if we're looking at Payne Man's entire career, we got to look at the 41, 41 point demolition versus Chad Pennington in two thousand and two. If we're gonna look yeah, at his entire career, back to we have to see. Yeah, yeah Brady went look at his six entire career. To start off against look at his Payton. entire career, January fourth, two thousand three. Jay Wright. I look at his entire career and I see some embarrassing first round exits. He had over hmm. six. And then I look at the ASC championship teams, and I'm not looking to disrespect Peyton, but when you say he was the guy and there's no way he can have anybody else at number two, I look at his first ASC championship game versus New England, 2004. He had four interceptions in that game. Okay, and then since then, what did he do in the ASC championship game? In 2007, he played a pretty good game. Completed 57% of his passes, 349. Third, he played very well against the Jets. Got into the Super Bowl in 2010. The a Reggie Wayne play, defense. the Reggie Wayne pick six. Reggie, the legend is, ran the wrong route. I'm not going to hold that against him, but he lost against the Saints in the Super Bowl. We then moved to 2014. And that's 2007, excuse me. He then moved to, moved to 2014. And he had a 400-yard game versus the Patriots. Bowled out. Got into the Super Bowl. And that Super Bowl, what happened? Yes, they got Mac absolutely up. slacked. Yeah. Macked up. And Which you was on everybody. Me, not, not that wasn't on just Peyton. That was everybody. Yeah, no, but you can't tell me that you weren't absolutely shocked when that was going on. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, that's yeah. the worst Super Bowl I've ever watched in my life. But I'm not 
like I said, you guys are going Aaron Rodgers there and, and comparing the two, like Aaron Rodgers' playoff success is yeah, anything. That's why I have Aaron Rodgers behind Peyton. See, and you're and you're and you're a good man. You're a good man, Brandon. Yeah. Because but I'm not John gonna put Peyton number two. Nuts. I'm not gonna put Peyton number two, Justin, because you can understand as a football fan, Brady was chasing Montana. So for that simple fact, your argument is null and void. When you know yourself as a Patriot fan going through this, live through it, you knew he was chasing Montana. He was not chasing Peyton. He had already passed Peyton. Manning could never get to okay, Montana. But still, even, even with that, Brady's highest respect went to who? Peyton Manning. Because he, he won against him. It, it, that was his greatest competition. Yes, he never he played Aaron Rodgers in saying. the playoffs. That's why, huh? He never played Aaron in the playoffs. He did play Aaron. He beat Aaron in the playoffs one time in 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 Green Bay. In Green Bay. But again, but Justin, I'm not gonna. I'm not disrespecting Peyton by putting him number three. Okay? No, no, no. I, I, that's fine. But I, what I, just I think don't... you're doing is you're forgetting where we were seven years ago when Brady beat Atlanta. Because I guarantee if I could take a time machine to talk to that Justin, he would not have said Brady just surpassed Peyton to be the number one greatest quarterback of all time. I, you would have said he passed Joe. So how in the hell in the last seven years did Peyton Manning surpass Joe Montana without even taking a single snap in the NFL? How is that possible? I, I think Peyton Manning surpassed Joe Montana just based on his regular season and his two Super Bowls. So That's Peyton amazing. surpassed so hold on. Peyton surpassed Joe before Brady did? Peyton surpassed Joe on Super Bowl 50. Once which he got one, that second, second ring. One? Yeah, that second ring that's So he's so what you're saying is Peyton. But, see the thing is Brady Brady was my greatest. Brady was my greatest before that. I never even debated that. So I'm not arguing Brady over Peyton. Well, no, 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 because I've asked you this. No, 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 no. From the jump. You said after you said Seattle. Seattle no, no, you didn't say that. Nope. No, you How said, do you, we didn't even know each this. other then? No, I asked you this when we were on the show, not on the show, we're off air. You said it was Atlanta Super Bowl. What? That he became the GOAT. Yo, my dude, I could probably I could pull the owner of the deli up the block from my house, man. I have been saying Tom Brady was the greatest of all time since I was a child. Before so wait, I even understood things. All right, you know what? Fine, fine. I'll give you that point. Whatever. That's a mute point. Because then this here, how is this possible? How in the hell do you have Peyton surpassing Joe with that Super Bowl performance? How is that possible? That playoff performance. It wasn't so that much about, season. It wasn't so How much do you have Peyton surpassing Joe it was, after it was that just, season? How is that human? It, was, it, it wasn't the performance. 17 it was interceptions. putting the freaking ring on the finger. That's enough. So Trent, two, did, so what, 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 that put me on that. I'm like, yo, Peyton, Peyton has it, bro. Peyton has it. There's no, no quarterback that I, like I said, one of the greatest managers of the game of all time. Like I said, called his own plays, no matter who his head coach was. He did not have a hall of fame coach. He did not. So I'm remember that no Tony hall of Dungy's fame coach. Tony a hall of fame coach. Who? Tony Dungy's a hall of okay. fame coach. I and he won a su he won that. his Super Bowl with him. He won his Super Bowl I said with him. Outside of Dungy, he won his Super Bowl with Tony Dungy. Outside of Tony Dungy, I he didn't win a Super Bowl with Jim Caldwell. All right, good night. 
Good night. It's just that your your argument no. doesn't make it just because he put a ring on the finger. So you're just going to ignore yeah. nine touchdowns. Why are you interrupting so me? Because you rings. know what I'm about to say is factually correct. What? Nine, how are you going to ignore nine touchdowns to 17 interceptions that entire season where he was getting benched for Brock Osweiler? All right. And that playoff yeah, performance. We're also, we're also talking. That's so unfair to even use against him because it's. No, it's not. How because is it not? That, no, we knew the guy no, was, was no. injured and all. We know he was injured. That's what I'm saying to you, Justin. I'm coming at you because you're saying that Super Bowl made him. And he still did you. enough to win a Super Bowl, even after that regular season playing injured. Could they have won a Super Bowl with Brock Osweiler? I don't think they I don't think they beat New England with Brock Osweiler. I think you're smoking crack. No. Well, if you don't think Brock Brock Osweiler's not a good quarterback, if you don't think Brock Osweiler can complete 54% of his passes, throw for 176 yards. And Again, no as I've said before, I mind. think it came down to turn to Payton didn't turn the ball over that game. He played obviously it wasn't spectacular. Not turning the ball over against New England is the key. It was a run first offense, Justin. In in his first uh in his first AFC title game against New England, he threw what four picks. You lose a game that way. He didn't turn a ball over. Brock Osweiler would have turned the ball over. That's you what I said before. You don't know that. You don't know that. <laughs> None of us do. I know we that he can. That. I'm oh, you, confident. You don't Justin, know that. I'm pretty confident Brock Osweiler can put a 54% completion percentage, 176 yards, and just as good as a 36 QBR. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he could do that. Peyton Manning look, had probably the second greatest, well, before. And the only reason he won this that all Super Bowl greatest season of a quarterback. Because of the two-point conversion. And, and he passed Brady's greatest season. Oh, 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 this all started just because of the simple fact I took Aaron Rodgers over Peyton Manning. That was the no, it started because he put Peyton over Joe, which is factually does not make any sense. That's uh, that's yeah. actually a great. It doesn't how make does any it, sense. How does Justin, it I just actually it to you. not make actually, sense? Because actually not make sense when we're talking. Uh, even if you just because Joe Montana actually played no, well not. in the Super no, we're Bowl. Not. Joe and Montana was a two-time MVP. Two-time, sorry, three-time MVP. One of the greatest regular seasons of all time. Second, Peyton has two MV has. Two Super Bowls. Joe Montana's three Super Bowl MVPs. End of the discussion. He played in an era. So, so now we're doing it's just, it's just straight ring talk now. It's just oh, okay. Yes, two, so no, no, if, it's, if we're going to do that, John, if we're going to do that ring talk, take Aaron Rodgers out. No. If we're going to do the ring talk, who played well in the playoffs? Who showed up in the biggest of moments? Aaron did against the Steelers. I get the top five Steelers defense, three touchdowns, 300 yards, play one of his best what? games. And guess what? That's the thing. Okay. One opportunity we want to do the Raiders well, take him out. Because his oh, teams him. failed him again and again in the playoffs. Yeah, Coaching, Come on. special teams. Come on. Come on. You look at that game versus Seattle and defenses. The defenses that Aaron Rodgers had were historically poor in the playoffs. Yeah. He would have great games. We talked about it against the Cardinals. What can you do when you're putting up 35 points, but your opponent is putting up 38? John, I got him. I got him. Peyton Manning wasn't playing with no elite defenses towards his tail end of Indianapolis. No. Nothing was compared to what we had well, in New England. They gave him a second Super Bowl. No, so he did not clearly play the defense gave him half of Super Bowl titles. Like and more for that defense, he, he had to see him now as like Aaron Rodgers. Or a Baltimore. No, he did not. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't. When he won Even the Super Bowl. Even the defense he played when... in the Jets was no. better than anything he had. Okay, let's do this. Well, let's do on. this. No, no, no. No, no, no. no, 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 no. That's not true. That's not even That's not even true. We have to go over this. I know, but just trust me. I got it. I got it, man. I got it. I have his defensive rankings. No, I know, but I got it, dude. Okay, yes, but Justin, he won the when he won that Super Bowl against Rex Grossman, 
That was his best defense. Okay. Bob Sanders played a full season. He had Dwight Freeney. He had Robert Mathis. We're not going to say that you don't need a great, great team to win a Super Bowl. But here's where I got you, Justin. Because you say he's the greatest regular season quarterback of all time. I'm not going to change my mind. No, I know you're not, but I got your ass. I got you. Uh, You say he's the greatest regular season quarterback of all time, right? Which is fine. I'm not going to argue that. He's he's right there. It's between him, Drew Brees, and and, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, what's more important to you, um, regular season or playoffs slash Super Bowl? Oh. Just answer the question. Don't, don't try to be split. Guys, don't try no, be I'm not even answering this because, because it, it, they both ass. matter. No, I, both I understand matter. they both because matter. Which do, one matters more? If we're going to just do ring talk. It's not ring talk. It's okay. the performance in the in the Super Bowl. Please explain. Just answer. you. All right, you don't want to answer the question. We all know why he doesn't want to answer the question because he knows he has to say playoffs because it's the factually correct statement to make. So if that's the case, I give to you 68 complete uh, completion percentage by Joe Montana, a th- 1,142 yards, 11 touchdowns, zero interceptions. He has 127.8 passer rating. That is the NFL record in Super Bowls, four for four. All right? Which one's more? Which one would you rather have? That performance in the Super Bowl or five regular season MVPs? I rest my case. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I rest my case. Let me. Let's talk about these defenses, Justin. That at least we. At least we all agree on number one. Real quick, before we jump to Tom Brady at number one. So in 2005, but this these are giving you number two, John. John, is your number two Joe? Yes, I said before. So 2005, Colts had the second best defense in points allowed. 2006, 23rd. 2007. First, the least amounts. 2020, 2008, seventh defensive ranking. 2009, when they went to the Super Bowl, eighth in the NFL. 2010, 23rd, his last year there. So more of those years in the back end, he had a top 10 defense. One of those years, one of the very best in football. So clearly his defenses were not bad. A couple of years, they didn't play as well as you would like. Mm-hmm. In those games, he was knocked down in the first rounds. With Aaron Rodgers, we flipped the page I want you guys to consider this with Aaron. The years where he had MVP caliber seasons and his defenses failed him again and again. So there's this narrative out there that Aaron Rodgers chokes in the playoffs, and I think it's one of the most misconstrued narratives in all sports. So after he won the Super Bowl in 2010, has one of the best Super Bowl runs in recent years, 2011, go to the AFC go to the NFC Championship game and lose 20 to 13 versus the Giants. Giants were a great team. They didn't play as well as you would have liked. 2012, he puts up 31 points. But what can he do when the 49ers put up 45? 45. And they go into the Super Bowl. 2013, 20 points. Didn't play as well. But, I mean, you talk about the support that Aaron had in those years, 2013. Those Packers teams were not on the same level as the 49ers. In terms of the running game, Eddie Lacy in that performance played well, 81 rushing yards. But at large, the Niners were a better overall team. Even still... Aaron didn't play his best. 2014, this was the iconic one, right? So he has the comeback versus the Cowboys in the divisional rounds. Then the conference championship game, they blow a multi-score lead, and you have the infamous, not only the defense blowing it, but also the brand Bostic. All you, When a team kicks an onside, all you have to do is not screw up. Brandon Bostic botched what would have been an easy play to send the Cowboys... Sorry, to send the Packers to the, the Super Bowl. That was the NFC title game. 
that play would just it, it still blows my mind to this day. I'm speechless talking about it. 2015, they beat the Redskins 35-18. They move on to the Cardinals. Carlson Palmer and those Bruce Aarons teams were better, and the Packers lost. 2016, this is where it gets a little bit interesting. Beat the Giants in the divisional. Sorry, beat the Giants in the wild card. He then beat the Cowboys in the divisional round, 34 to 31. This was the iconic play against Dak Prescott, where you go blow for blow, and Aaron Rodgers is one of the most stupid drives in NFL history, setting up a game-winning Mason Crosby field goal. Then they play the Falcons and the Conference Championship, lose 21 to 44. Yeah, I mean, Aaron had three touchdowns. 300 yards in that game and it's not really helping his case that his team had what is this oh um outside of him 50 yards rushing so he had half the rushing yards in that game 2017 missed the playoffs 2018 missed again these were the injury world years last years with mccarthy move on to 2019 and that was the year where he lost to the 49ers again for a third time in the conference championship game Rodgers in that game, 326, two interceptions. He didn't play his best game, but Garoppolo threw eight passes. Eight. Can you blame Aaron Rodgers for Raheem Mostert having 220 rushing yards on his defense? Can you blame him for that? These are the types of years that Aaron Rodgers had to go through, and that's why he never made it to the Super Bowl. His teams failed him again and again. Many of those other years, like 2012, 2011, I can give you other reasons why. Just BS, bizarre reasons that you can't play on the quarterback because Aaron played fine in those games. Did he maybe stoop down a level? Yes, but he was never the reason his team disappointed. It was always something larger. Move on to 2021. Tom Brady, the one-time player in the playoffs. Brady had three interceptions in that game. So, Cowboys, why do I keep calling the Cowboys? The Packers, they got a lot of help, that offense. Rodgers only had one turnover. He actually had 346 passing. But in that game... His team had, I don't know, 67 rushing yards against the Buccaneers. So they couldn't get the ground game going. Aaron played a fine game. And um, Tom Brady, the one that played, edged him out 31-26. to 26. I'm not going to pin that all on Aaron. No, am I. But this has, doesn't change anything to me. This I is not imagine. like him throwing four interceptions, though, against the Patriots and his first ASU championship oh, man. team. Or him first... having a 53% completion percentage in the second biggest game of his season. This is Aaron Rodgers playing good football and his team's not playing good football themselves. Raheem uh, Mostert has 200 rushing yards in you. What are you going to do? What can you do at that point? If Aaron's not on the there's field... Not, there's nothing you can do. Exactly. So the one Super Bowl thing never got back. It was not his fault. If he goes to New York, yeah, I, I, playing the Jets. Yeah, we. we I, I don't. I don't disrespect Aaron Rodgers. I've said I've agreed with that 100. As I said when I started talking about Rodgers, I said there's probably you could make a ton of excuses as to why he uh he's lost his his playoff shortcomings at least. So I'm not going to argue that. I just I stand by what I stand by, man. Uh, you know, and I could have we should have a a buddy of mine on to talk about Peyton Manning. I'd say a Peyton Manning stand. That's all right. You guys are wrong. It's fine. And by the way, Joe Montana's my number two. How many quarterbacks can say they beat John Oway, an MVP, and Ken Anderson, and Dan Marino? Pretty good competition. And those Dallas Cowboys. Joe Montana. So on to number one, which we all agree is. 
We go Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. And do we even really need to lament on what he's done? We all know it. Mm-hmm. Number one. We don't want to be here all day, so we won't know. Yeah, we give respect where respect is due. It's not even a, a debate at this point. A goddamn handsome man, too, at that. It's going to be very weird watching football this year without him. It will, and you know, I'm pretty excited to see Patrick Mahomes because, well, Mahomes is my honorable mention. Let's dig into those a little bit. I've got Mahomes, I've got Drew Brees, I have Elway, I have Marino, and I have two Steelers and Big Ben and Terry Bradshaw. There's one more guy in there. Brent's just like, what the hell? You didn't include Brett Favre. He is too, but I want to give my shout out to Ben and Terry. Uh, Terry, 4-0 in the Super Bowl, so that's pretty important. Only two other guys, actually one other guy, I can say he's 4-0 in the Super Bowl, that is so cool. And, um, you know, I think in three or four years, Mahomes, we would expect him to. I'm fully invested in him making one more Super Bowl. And with a little bit more longevity, he will be in my top five, taking Johnny United as his spot. Yeah, for me, um, I don't have Mahomes in my top ten yet. Uh, I just, I, listen, I'm not, it's not a disrespect on him, it's just I... There's a career that has to play out for me, and I need to see how it plays out before I just shoot him up there. I have all the faith that he will be there, uh, just not yet for me. Uh, I have Brett Favre as my sixth greatest quarterback of all time. Uh, then I have Steve Young, John Elway, Dan Marino, and my number 10 is very interchangeable. I have Kurt Warner written down there, but he's he's the one where I could easily take him out and flip somebody else in. I, I won't die on that that hill. Uh, I, I would uh, – I don't have Kurt Warner on, on, on that top ten list, but uh, I'll put – I'll easily throw Patrick Mahomes in that top ten for what he's done in this short amount of time. I don't think we've seen a career start as nearly as explosive as this guy's has. Um, I think he's going to win another ring, and we're going to be talking about, okay, now when is it going to – is he going to stop? Is it going to keep on happening? Is he going to keep on rolling rolling through the AFC at this this uh, this pace – I think the craziest thing about it is, you know, we look back at the Tom Brady AFC days, you know, we had Phillip Rivers, Big Ben, Peyton Manning, uh, Tom, and we could keep going. But Ravens defense. the Ravens defense, the Steelers defense. Uh, That's defense. The Rex Ryan days, yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, Rex Ryan days. So uh, there's so many things that you could point at. And now with Patrick Mahomes, you look at the AFC and how many quarterbacks there are. It's, it's absolutely stacked as opposed to the NFC where we're probably looking at an NFC where Dak Prescott might be the best quarterback in the NFC going into the new season. So, I mean, he has a ton of competition. And if he's going to be playing in divisional rounds against the Bills, AFC championship games against the Bengals, uh, I, I think we're going to be forced to throw him in a top five if he keeps on doing what he's doing. Well, I mean... Yeah, he's, he's gonna have reasons. this 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 road, like you said, Justin. You only named two teams that he's got. I mean, I was thinking about it last. Baltimore, time. like it's... you got you got the Bills, who have been perennial contenders. You got the Patriots, who are retooling. You can never count out a Bill Belichick-led team. You got the Dolphins, who started off incredibly hot, kind of fell off, but they still got the talent. The Jets, who John and I know a, a lot of Jets fans believe they might get Aaron Rodgers. You don't think they'll be contenders if they get him? You got the Bengals, like you said, Justin. 
You got the uh, um, the Ravens. If they re-sign Lamar, they'll still be a threat. You if Deshaun Davis. Watson can knock that rust off, you best believe they'll be a threat. The Steelers mm-hmm. might be a little bit down the line, but if Kenny Pickett takes a massive jump, they'll be a threat. You got the Jaguars who are a threat in the AFC South. If the Titans can somehow get a quarterback better than Ryan Tannehill, you best believe they can be a threat. And then you've got Mahomes' own division with uh, the Chargers, who are going to uh, be healthier next year. And Kellen Moore, I think, is going to make a massive difference for Justin Herbert. You've got Russell Wilson, who can Sean Payton fix Russell and make that team a contender. And you got the Raiders, who have an insane offensive talent. If they get a quarterback that we all believe in, who knows? Mm-hmm. That's an insanely stacked AFC. Did you even mention the Bengals in there? No, he yeah, did. said the Bengals. Yeah. Yeah. So Patrick Mahomes rode to the Super Bowl for, for the next couple of years. I mean, this year alone, that's tough. But for the next couple of years, it's going to be an uphill battle. So if he continues to absolutely destroy the AFC the way he has, and I think which he has, which he has yeah, he, and if he continues that, like I said, he'll be catapulting into that top five very fast, very fast. And the fact that every single year Patrick Mahomes has a new playoff moments his second playoff run first playoff game of the season versus the texans comes back from 24 comes back from 24 to nothing in the super bowl the following season this man is down by 10 points or nine points and comes back in the fourth quarter to get a w a year later 13 seconds the guy leads a game winning drive in two plays and then i mean this year that run. Well, the stat sheet won't show it, right? Him playing on one leg, that was one of the more impressive performances I've seen. Uh, and Jalen Hurts played a phenomenal game. The, that was one of the most cool duels because, duels. because while the numbers didn't stack up, we knew Mahomes was making the right plays. And the second half, he and Andy Reid, outside of Brady and Belichick, there, there's not a coach-quarterback duo I trust more. And... Um, the big time plays, scan out the pocket, scramble one leg. The guy is a special, special type of leader. Yeah. Why do you shrug right there? Did I say something crazy? Well, I mean, I just Bill Walsh and Joe Montana. No, I, I might be taking Mahomes and Andy Reid. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't need all the extra stuff. He just he just has what, anti. What's extra stuff? What extra stuff? He doesn't need Tyreek Hill. You're acting like Travis Kelsey is some bum. Best tight end in football, dude. He's starting to be talked about as one of the greatest tight ends of all time. Mm-hmm. He's only second to Jerry Rice in playoff touchdowns. <laughs> Don't act like Mahomes has scrubs out there he's playing with. This isn't the Brady offense that the for the first three Super Bowls. Right. Deion Branch was the best receiver for the last two. I knew you were tying Tom Brady reference in there. So... Uh, I don't know if you have enough time. Do you guys want to talk about the NBA still at the end of the show? Yeah, we we'll can see. talk about it real quick. Okay, so oh, moving over to our offseason preview first. Big time news came out yesterday that the new Ravens offensive coordinator will be Todd Monken, who is leaving Georgia. He is one of the typical passing game coordinators. He's a pass-heavy coordinator. And you look at the years for Greg Roman, those are offenses – whether from Buffalo and his time as an assistant in the pass were run heavy. So a total 180 here by the Ravens. And this offseason, they are seventh in cap space of $41 million, but Lamar is going to be worth $41 million for the next four to six seasons. So 
the biggest question, the looming question with this team is, number one, do you get the deal done with Lamar Jackson? And then, with really no cap space at all left over, what's going to happen here to guys like Marcus Peters and Justin Houston, who are pretty key for agents in 2023? I think uh, this is a huge offseason for the Ravens. I mean, coming off of a season where uh, Pro Bowl quarterback Tyler Huntley had to play a playoff game for you, you know, that's that's not exactly what you're hoping for. You have an MVP in Lamar, and there's, you know, I'm not going to presume, but some people say, you know, had he had his contract done, he's probably out there playing that playoff game. Don't know if that's necessarily true, but all in all, you have to get this contract done. That's your number one priority because, one, nobody's going to Baltimore if you don't have Lamar there. Nobody's signing there. You're starting from scratch if you're getting rid of him. Uh, sure, you could get a, a glutton of, of draft picks and and maybe some NFL-ready talent. But if you don't have that guy under center, you're not competing. So first and foremost, you have to sign Lamar Jackson. Second, you have to find some way somehow to elevate that offense. I always believe the Baltimore defense is going to be there. Uh, for some reason, as long as Harbaugh is there, I believe that they'll have a defense that can contend and compete. If you cannot get... Lamar Jackson, a receiver. And I understand some receivers may uh, be hesitant to go there because of that run-heavy style offense. But if you get somebody that can buy into that, if you get somebody that like, – if you draft a guy like Zay Flowers, if you make a trade for uh, a DeAndre Hopkins, that can instantly elevate your offense. And then on top of that with DuVernay and Rashad Bateman, right there, now you have a, an elite receiving core immediately you have to get some offensive talent to surround Lamar Jackson no more with just Hollywood Brown and, and the rest of the crew no more just you know you're running back being the best player on the offense no you got to get some weapons there on the outside honestly I think what who's his best receiver that he's ever had outside of Hollywood is it well, Crabtree? Mark Andrews tight end outside of Andrews is it Crabtree in his rookie year when he came in? Him or Hollywood a year ago. Hollywood a year ago, 1,000-plus yards, 140 catches or targets, 100-some-odd, 110 receptions. No, outside of Hollywood, outside of Andrews, you can't. Yeah, I mean, there um, is... they're pulling teeth here. It would probably be Crouchett. <laughs> it's the only other guy. Yeah. Willie Sneed? Um, for me personally, this is how I would look at it. I'm going to look at it as the Ravens organization. This is just how I've been thinking about it. Um, if I was a Ravens organization, I'd be doing kind of exactly what they're doing, which is Lamar, you're gonna either you're gonna accept the deal that I'm offering you because I'm not gonna go any higher because I think that their their worries are very valid. Their worries are, you know, injuries. Uh, how long can he be sustained even for a single season? He's shown that he gets hurt when, uh, towards the later end of the season. And can he be a consistent thrower of the football at the highest level? Those are valid concerns. So if I'm the Ravens, I basically say, Lamar, you're either you sign the contract we offer you or I, they can't trade them, right? Or do they They technically own his rights? They can do like a kind of sign and trade, I guess. I don't know if that's – that's more NBA. Do they, can they do that in the NFL? It's tough. You'd have to they, uh, go, negotiate 
an extension and then move him. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, I think they can do that. I'm not. What sure. are you getting for Lamar? Well, you're getting happens? probably the what they want. I think starts three first round picks. And they will never get that, Lamar. I think that there's a sucker out there that will give it to him. You don't think the Titans? I have my own opinion, but continue. Well, remember, it's not just three first round picks. It's three first round picks plus two hundred and forty million dollars. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, if you're willing to dive in and drop three first round picks, I think you're willing. Yeah, to you have to pay sixty million dollars. Um. So yeah, I, I that's where I stand on that. If I'm the Ravens, I'm and and you know what? If I can negotiate that trade. And let's say I only get two first-round picks and maybe a, a pretty good player or something, maybe a third or whatever. I'll take that. I'll take it because, you know, I do believe that there is a ceiling with Lamar, and I don't think that you can win a Super Bowl with him unless you surround Lamar. Me and John had this conversation last episode. Unless you su- surround Lamar with the type of talent Jalen got this year, you're not winning a Super Bowl with that kind of quarterback. And guess what? There's no way you can surround that Lamar Jackson with that talent, if you're paying them two hundred and forty million dollars plus, this is it. It's just not possible. So that's where I stand on it. I'm not fully guaranteeing Lamar. Yeah. For the last three, and let me repeat that, I am not fully guaranteeing Lamar a contract because the last two years the guy's been hurt in December. If Lamar needs everything to win, a great offensive line, good receivers, and a good enough defense, and he's making two hundred twenty million dollars, he can't get all of that. So you pick your poison here. You, A, look to get a quarterback that, hey, look, yeah, new offensive coordinator, new system will be cheap enough on a rookie contract to give him what that guy will need, or you pay Lamar and deal with the reality, you are guaranteeing a top five, top three contract, the biggest contract in football to an average thrower of the football that can't stay healthy and has one playoff win, and that probably won't change if he's making more money than this rookie contract. I think the Ravens have handled this well. I mean, Roquan Smith was fantastic for them in the season. Now, do I agree fully paying the best linebacker $100 million? That's the eye of the beholder. But I do know if Lamar Jackson, what has he really given you outside of that MVP season where he had everything? And it's, if, not a shot at a, it's not a shot at a former MVP. It's acknowledging we've probably seen the best years of Lamar in his age 26 season. And if you give him this fully guaranteed deal, as we've seen with many quarterbacks that get that second contract, that rely on the athleticism. In due time, while Lamar could have one or two good seasons, the back back end of three years of that deal, that could be pretty bad if he's missing half the year and just like the 12th best quarterback in football, which is what he has been when he's dealing with these injuries the last two years. Okay, injuries aside. Uh, no, no, so, no, you no, know, no, no. Actually, you know, you know, you know you're right. No, you're right. I, I, let me not say that. If Lamar's on the field this uh, for that playoff game against the Bengals, they win. Yeah, big time. They win. So, you know, the concerns of uh, – Injured Lamar know, or fully healthy Lamar? I even think an injured Lamar wins that game. I, 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 think, I, I tend I, to think because I always – and I, I understand where you're coming with, you know, the what-ifs and stuff. It's just if you add a Lamar to that, that team, I think that the Bengals obviously play a completely different game and their game plan is different. It's just the whole game basically is – Turned on a ten, and they play a completely different game. But I see where you're coming with the joke. Yeah, but I'm just yeah. You slide in Lamar. I, I feel like they're in a much better position to win that game. As close as that game was, uh, I do believe the Ravens are much better than you know people actually get to see because of the the injuries. You know, John, you said uh, if you need everything around him to be good for him to succeed, you know, kind of like uh, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. I don't necessarily say it has to be 
up to par with that. All I'm asking for is just a little bit of talent on the outside to make passing more of a, you know, a concern for defenses. When you got receivers like Bateman and Duvernay who aren't consistent, uh, granted Bateman is still young and still, still getting, you know, his feet wet in the NFL. He was injured this year, so he couldn't play his full second year. Um, they're not going to respect your passing game. You don't got nobody out there that feels fears they, they're afraid of. You know, they can press them. They're not afraid that they're going to break that coverage. No. You know, they're, they're just going to worry about Lamar the whole time. So if you get yourself that that real number one, I think it opens some doors. You know, we we talk about all these quarterbacks that get receivers in their third year, um, like uh, Stefan Diggs, like uh, a Tyreek Hill. There's just one problem, Justin. When they extend them more, they'll have zero dollars in cap space, and it's and very little. Okay, so if you're the if you're the Ravens if you're the Ravens GM, what would you rather do? You notice something with all those quarterbacks. So Joe Burrow rookie contract, he got Jamar and T in the rookie contract. Tua rookie contract helps you get Tyreek. Look at Jalen Hurts rookie contract. Jalen Hurts or sorry, AJ Brown. All of those quarterbacks, Josh Allen, they get Stephon Diggs are on small rookie contracts, rookie scale. They're not making $200 million. They're also in the second, third years. No, Lamar's in the sixth year. He had Marquise Brown last year. Marquise was a top 10, top 15 receiver, top 10 stretch, top 15, top 17. And we saw with Lamar, what was the Ravens' downfall? It was really his health, right? They fell off mm-hmm. a cliff once he got injured. And so if this is the asset I'm taking on, I am shorting Lamar Jackson because I see where this is going. And we have seen this in the past. Look, father time is going to come sooner for these quarterbacks. Lamar is a winner. You can't take that away from him. He's had a great MVP season. But when you look at the last three years, you can't have both. You can really only have one here. The rookie contract of a quarterback and a great receiver to support him or Lamar for that fully guaranteed deal and not that receiver. I think the Ravens missed their ball here. Windows are short in football. They're two or three years. Not... That window just passed. It, but it's but it's also the Ravens whiffing on receivers, not getting a big dog in the draft. We we've seen big guys that's, come out of the draft. They, is, they can... that, is, that is true, and I don't think that they're going to be able to. I don't. I mean, maybe they take a receiver in the first round this year again. We'll see if they hit. But you know, obviously, the names on the trade block are the biggest names are D Hop and Brandon Cooks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't think they're getting either of those guys because of John laid out the contract situation. I think Brandon Cooks is making 20-plus million. Uh, so you're not getting either one of those. And I don't think – Brandon Cooks is a really good receiver, and I loved him for the Patriots, but yeah. I don't think he's going to be that number one that puts Lamar over the top. I think D-Hop has a much better shot of doing that. But yeah, absolutely. I, I just look at it and I say, I, I still don't think that's enough when you look at the division they're in and the teams that they have to go up against where they have more of a complete team and the Ravens are still trying to kind of play catch-up right now. And I, I do agree with you. Like, we're not sitting here trying to disrespect Lamar because I, I absolutely love Lamar. I love the dog mentality. I, lo- I love the, the winning nature, like John said, the competitiveness. This guy is a, is a true winner, and he's going to fight you to the bitter end. But, you know, you can't be a perfect quarterback. Not everybody's a perfect quarterback. You know what I mean? It, it's it, You're going to have your weaknesses. You're going to have your flaws. And, and we know what Lamar's flaws are. They're injuries and, and being a consistent uh elite throw of the football so i agree with john i think if if the ravens if if lamar 
wants too much and the Ravens are like, no, we're not giving you more than X dollar amount. Like, this is our limit. We're not going over that. And Lamar, obviously, it looks like he wants more than what they're offering him. I think it's in the best interest for the Ravens to say, you know, thank you for your services, Lamar. You've done a hell of a job for us. We loved you. Uh, we respect you. You want us, you want an MVP for this team. But I think it's time for us to part ways and best of luck in your future endeavors. That's such a touch, a, a very tough move. You know, by making a move like that, you're instantly throwing yourself in purgatory, you know? Are you? No, whoa, whoa, no, 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 my friend. You don't so, think so? Real quick, before I made an honest mistake. Because the thing is, Brown, it's just finding a quarterback. So first, two things. First things up, Marquise Brown talked about before. I said he had 110 receptions a year ago. He had 90s. I made a mistake. But the second thing is, if you extend Lamar, you're going to purgatory. That is committing to a quarterback that can't lead you to a playoff win without all the, the full nine yards. He needs everything, and that cannot happen. So unless you nail one of these receivers in the first round with a couple of speedsters, even then, Lamar has not shown to be able to be healthy in December, the most important month of the season, and he is not a consistent thrower of the football. I mean, we look at him relative to Jalen Hurts. He's fur Hurts is further along, and he's only in his second team starting. So if you extend Lamar, you're committing to the middle because you can't win a playoff game, and he can't stay healthy in December. And yes, so what's you, happened? You, you missed the win playoffs one of those years. But he missed, you missed the playoffs one of those years because Lamar missed the second half of the season. This year is him in the pocket getting hit. It wasn't even him rushing. Okay? And if you go you take a step back and you move off from Lamar, now you have a young rookie quarterback that maybe doesn't hit, but at least you're not committing that $40 million because once you do, you are investing fully in that quarterback. And we see, like I said before, this asset is depreciating. Because that's what he is. I'm not trying to say that to be disrespectful, but when you make this type of contract, you're not going to want to pay him for what he did. It has to be at large what he's going to bring to you. So it's a tough decision to make, yes, because hitting a quarterback is very tough. Well, that, really that's tough. why I say you, you'll be stuck in purgatory quite like how your Steelers have been in the middle of the pack for the longest now. Because you haven't had a guy to elevate you under center. You're telling me if the Steelers didn't have a Steelers, Lamar Jackson? Realistically, had a tough time because you're paying Ben $40 million and that cap hit sunk into the rest of the roster while Ben was average. Now we have Kenny Pickett. We could be a riser into the playoffs with 10, 11 wins because Kenny's making nothing and he's also a young quarterback that brings that oomph. So you see the difference here? I, I, I hear you. I just really don't think that, uh, like I said, it doesn't need to be a perfect scenario for Lamar to win a playoff game. I, th I just think you need to do a little bit more. And this guy's got 55% completion percentage in the playoffs. Uh, he's got he's got to get better as a passer. He does have to get better, and I, I think he'd be the first person to say that. Uh, we're not we're not talking to the wall here. He I, I, he'd be the first person to say that. It's just if you if you let go of a Lamar Jackson and you're gonna trade him, if you're not making a power play for one of the big quarterbacks going into the draft now. Well, now that they have Todd Monken in here, I don't even know if they go with an Anthony Richardson. I think they they would maybe hold off because there's no quarterback in this draft that I'll look at for them. Mm -hmm. So that'd be a good good fit. If you're not trading out for Will Levis, I don't even think he's gonna be that good of a prospect. So yeah, obviously you're 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 looking to probably get yourself a bridge quarterback for maybe next year or the year after. Mm -hmm. um, but you can get a pretty damn good haul for Lamar. I mean, like you know, the Giants are out there. I just saw a freaking report that popped up that said. The expectations is Daniel Jones might get $35 million a year. You don't think that Nuts. the Giants would, would inquire about trading for Lamar and, and pay him that uh, even a little more money and get Lamar instead of paying Daniel that much? I think they would. Again, I think the Titans would consider it. 
And you could do a swap where you include Ryan Tannehill in that trade and the, the, the Ravens get their bridge quarterback. And then they, no, I'm not saying he's not taking them over that, but you get your bridge quarterback who can do a f- f- fine game managing role until you find your other quarterback. That's that really says behind Tannehill for a year. Yeah. And Jay Ray, I'm asking you too, BC, both the yes. If you could offer the first round pick for Lamar, let's say the Giants offer their first round pick, would you make that and say yes this all season? For one first round pick? One? Yeah. No, no, no. Bare minimum, I'll go two firsts, maybe a second or a third and a player, but I'm not doing one first-round pick for Lamar. Get out of here. Do you see what Deshaun Watson went for? That's a great point, but Deshaun Deshaun Watson's kind of like the Rudy Gobert trade where we just ignore everything the Browns and the Timberwolves do, and we look at the rest of the league and we say that's the market. I mean – also, Rodgers, if he facilitates a trade, that'll also impact the trade market, too. You are right. I mean, Lamar, you'd think should get two two firsts, but if the Ravens aren't going to extend him because of all these concerns, which are huge, it's not throwing the football, it is health, it is long-term durability. That's three big X factors. I mean, in the playoffs, he has one playoff win. Let's repeat that. Um, so you would not trade, a quarterback, you would trade Lamar? Yes, I would pick? easily trade Lamar. For one, one pick? pick? If that were, I would try to get two, obviously. I'd try to get three. Three. If I can't get two first-rounders and I have a deal on the table, 20th overall pick for Lamar Jackson, I would heavily consider it. Heavily. Now, it depends on what the Ravens want to do here at Todd Monken because they add him into the equation. We don't necessarily know what their plans are ahead of the NFL draft, but that'll be interesting. Grass isn't always greener on the other side. Well, that, it's not, gl- it's not green right now with Lamar. It's not. To the, to the Ravens. Dude, it's been pretty green. They've yeah, been winning last football two years games. Been yeah. green, huh? He's gotten hurt. Okay. Last time I played my Steelers, I was there 18 months ago. So mm-hmm. clearly, he hasn't things, been to go available. Like, things happen. It's football. You play an aggressive sport. If he comes out healthy next year and he plays a full season, you're telling me the Ravens aren't going into the playoffs? You're telling me he's playing a full 17-game season John, next year? If, if no, he's no, healthy, no, 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 John, no, no. That, that's, that's, he that's has a, a whole playoff game. Here. This is not Anthony Davis BS. Will he be healthy next December after playing 13 games? What do you think? I'm we'll come back to this conversation in 12 months. So, yeah, you know what? Let's do it because I'm going to – I would put my money on it right now. Right now. He's never played a full season, Justin. He will lead the Ravens to the playoffs and they'll win a playoff game. You better hope if they're going to extend him, he can lead him to the playoffs. Right? If he, yeah, he needs to get extended first. But if he's in, if he's in a Ravens uniform next year, they'll be fine. Until because September comes around, they or... they should have. They, they I mean, he's great in September and October, but when it comes to actually going somewhere, bringing the Ravens someplace in five years, we have one playoff win. What's your best fit for Lamar outside of Baltimore? If he's going anywhere, Tennessee's interesting, but Atlanta. No, like, they have a, they have a real good offensive line. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for one of the best lines that I can keep him protected with high level weapons. Atlanta's going to run too much into the ground. I like Titans. I like the Giants. I'm only picking them because they have two elite running backs, and that would just be a, a deadly duo with Lamar. I think the Jets, their defense is elite. They have oh, a superstar Raiders. wide receiver. Hopefully, Mackay Becton will be healthy. Raiders. So, Jets are Raiders. Raiders. Raiders would cap. Their, their cap hit would be insane if they have to pay Lamar. Yeah. So, outside of that, for the Ravens, um, is there anything else we can hit on? You know, Marcus Peters, that's a pretty important, um, notable, unrestricted free agent. Um, so his market value is right around $9 million per season for two years. And Justin Houston, this is per spot rack, give or take five. He had a very good season. This Ravens defense is special. And I feel like that's why I was frustrated with Lamar this year. Not at him per se, but disappointed 
I'm like, he's injured again? Because this, this defense was top five in the league since Roquan came in. I mean, Patrick Queen got much better. And when you talk about they've had in the secondary, their defensive coordinator did a great job this year in his first time with the team. And I feel like the only thing that's held this team back is injuries. Not just for Lamar, but for Ronnie Stanley at left tackle. That's, mm-hmm. how, that's definitely played a role in Lamar having more of these injuries. The offensive line has not been where it was in 2019. You look at the running backs. J.K. Dobbins coming off the torn ACL. I think he'll be closer back to that rookie version of himself in 2023. No. That was a mouthful right there. I'm sorry. I know this video was so much about Lamar. That's the most, that's the only question it feels like with the Ravens right now. But this is a really good football team. What is crazy, John, though, is that, I mean, if you really are honest and look at it, Lamar last two seasons does not deserve 200 plus million dollars. I mean, his only argument is what he what he did in his second season and his third season. Mm-hmm. That's really it. And those were phenomenal teams. Four years ago, though, at this point, three yeah. four years ago, like your last two seasons, it's 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 called uh, you got to update your resume resume on a weekly basis and a yearly bait. Like the last two seasons have not. I mean, dude, last year you threw sixteen touchdowns and thirteen interceptions. Mm-hmm. No, we have to take into account the rushing, but even still, that's going to play into his rushing was down too, though. Yeah. Because he didn't play the games, he missed five games last two, five last year and five this year he missed. And, and believe what, me, I love Lamar game. too. I enjoy watching Lamar play, and I think he's a winner. But he's also a player that I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not paying the money. I don't want to give him 220. That's my money. Yeah. I'm not been so that. I've seen this in the past before. So, with all that being said, um, the Ravens this year, I think our expectations were tempered, and they're right around that mark. Go to the first round. Give the Bengals a fight, come up short because Lamar is not in the game. So the Pittsburgh Steelers were a team coming this season that I said, I wish I could roll the clip. I wish I wish I could roll the clip. You know what? I probably will. They're easily a playoff team. Now, when we first started this podcast, I didn't know what I was doing. So all the people in the comments were like, is this how this moron talks? Like, he's talking like some fucking idiot. So since then, I've gotten a little bit better at this podcasting thing. We have a good amount of Steeler fans around here that... A lot of them were talking trash to you guys in the comment section. I don't know if I want to read off the comments to you guys to run a little victory lap per se, but I do know we had to talk about the Steelers offseason preview. Take a deep dive, not a deep dive, but a deep look into their offseason and how things went for them in 2021. Do you guys care to read the comments on that video? Top two? They're all supporting me, so I mean... If you want to take your victory lap, John, that's your prerogative. Why would I take a victory lap? I was wrong to miss the playoffs. I was wrong too. Well, what do you mean? Oh, I thought you were just okay. I mean, I, I misunderstood None of us are right. you. I misunderstood you then. So you're it's about to read out. comments that take shots at you? Uh, at you guys. <laughs> what the hell are we talking about here? So why are you going to read them if you were wrong and they're going to trash us? So now we're all going to feel like crap? <laughs> no, they're trashing you guys because you were like, they're not making the playoffs. Well, they didn't make the playoffs. We exactly. Were so well, because you were talking guys, about them making the playoffs with Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, you were like Mitchell. Let's, let's not forget that. That's That was the, that was the reason no. why I, we got on you. Because no. we, me and Brandon were laughing. All right, let's hey, talk about it. So Mitchell Trubisky, you thought was leading your team to the playoffs. I was wrong about Mitch. I didn't think Mitch could get worse than a Chicago tenure, but boy, was that boy cold. Um, 
he had a couple of good moments. He beat Tom Brady, of course, at Heinz Field, uh, coming in, relieving Kenny Pickett. That was his best moment as a Steeler, and it may be his only because he's making $7.5 million. And to me, I would rather have Mason Rudolph as my backup. That is not the most important conversation with the Steelers. It is impressive to me. The Steelers won nine games in 2021. Shout out to Mike Tomlin. In spite of Najee Harris for the first half of the season, having no get off, playing with a metal steel rod in his foot to deal with a, uh, a foot injury. And then TJ Watt, who had a monster week one, misses over half the season. And when he comes back, was not the defensive player of the year we saw a year ago. Those are your two most important players on each side of the ball. And they had a better record than the Browns still. That's one of, that's one of our down years. So for Pittsburgh, did they make the playoffs? No. But man, if, if those damn Dolphins could have beat Joe, sorry, if those damn Jets could have beat Skylar Thompson, the Steelers would have been in the playoffs. We would have gotten knocked down the first round. So this offseason, the Steelers do have a, a couple of questions, and I, I want to hit those in the head. Before we get to that, what were your guys' takeaways, your spin on the Steelers' 2021 season? Impressed. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, you know, another, another feather in Mike Tomlin's cap. Uh, I've never doubted Mike Tomlin. I doubted the team that was surrounding him and that he had on the field, but I didn't doubt Mike Tomlin. So, yeah, impressive. He was able to do it again. Yeah, I, I, I would like, um, you know, I, I gave Kenny some uh, praise this season. You know, he's, he's you know, making small increment, uh, small steps to get better every time, but we are going to have to, you know, be objective. He didn't play particularly well you know the numbers don't you know they don't look at you numbers don't bear that out unfortunately you're like those numbers are not good but you know we've seen quarterbacks have struggles early and then they they're able to flip the script so you know it's going to take it might take a little time like i said with kenny pickett uh or it might be a quick jump like a a couple other quarterbacks we've seen Mm -hmm. over the years so we we don't know we're going to see you know but i do like kenny pickett but we're going to have to see going forward, what Kenny Pickett really is. Because now going into his second season, he's going to be the starting quarterback from week one. All right, you're not going to have questions about, you know, chemistry, playing together, and all the continuity and all that stuff. You got that, all right? You play with Deontay Johnson. Chase Claypool's out of there. You got Najee. You got um, Friar Muth, your boy. Not Canada. Oh. Yep, he's still there, unfortunately. You know. He actually did a couple a good job later in the season. We'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about it then. You gonna eat crow about Matt Canada? <laughs> oh, oh no! Believe me, you. Believe me, you. Him and Joe Barry should be long gone. Him and Joe Barry from Green Bay. You know, I I think uh, your Steelers are in a good spot. I think what they were. Uh, let's see if I'm I'm reading this correctly. Five and one in their last six games of the season. Seven and two since the trade deadline. So I I mean. You know, Kenny Pickett, while he didn't light the world on fire, he did make some throws that, you know, I, I forgot what game it was, but he made a crazy throw on the run into the end zone. That... Which game winner? Was that the one versus the Ravens or the one versus the Raiders to George Pickens? The Ravens I think it was the one against the Raiders. Nashi. I think it was the one against the Raiders where he was almost going down to the ground, made the throw. He had a lot of game winners. Yeah, he did. It, it, was, a, it was a sick throw. But, I, I mean – I think you guys are in a good spot. Like I said, Mike Tomlin is one of the best coaches in football. And as long as he's there, you guys are always going to feel the competitive team. So the real question is, is Kenny Pickett going to take that next step? Because you have a guy in George Pickens that is capable of being 
very, very special. I'm talking about a true go-getter of the football. So if he's if he's developing, if Kenny Pickett is developing, if Najee is healthy, I mean, Deontay Johnson, I don't see him punching uh, Kenny Pickett in the face. So I don't know I don't if know you what got that report was true. I, I don't I know, know if it was true was either, wild. but it was wild. But <laughs> <laughs> it was absolutely wild. So if if they're all meshed, and I, I believe I truly believe that the Steelers are probably the best team when it comes to drafting wide receivers. They just know how to develop them. They know how to pick them. No pun intended. Um, so I really think that you guys are going to be in a good spot. Like you said, seven and two from the trade deadline. If you guys start next season off hot, I think you guys are going to be giving Cincinnati and Baltimore a run for their money. Mm. So DJ denied that report. That was in the Jet game where Mitch had a terrible mm-hmm. first half. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually threw a touchdown on Deontay, but Johnson had zero touchdowns this season. He had two plays where he didn't get his foot in bounds. So I agree with you guys. Kenny Pickett is turning 25 years old this June. I'm turning 25 in April. Damn. We just talked about Lamar Jackson before. Lamar is just one year older. He's been in the NFL for five years. So Kenny Pickett is the biggest question with the Steelers organization. If he takes a step forward in year two, you have a good feeling because we saw a lot of positives. Early in the year, he took a lot of shots. And for a Steelers offense that was deplorable, I think he was going to take some opportunities. And he kind of read the room a little bit with Mitch. He was passive. He didn't take those opportunities. And I felt like they kind of opened up the studio space to Kenny. By the end of the year, he showed a lot of positives. Number one, confidence. He's not Kirk Cousins. He hasn't folded under pressure. And we saw as the year went on, he had zero turnovers in the second half of the year. Uh, at least zero interceptions. And his accuracy got better and better. His biggest issue was... For a guy that doesn't have an elite skill, right, doesn't have the elite arm strength, doesn't have the elite athleticism, Joe Burrow has elite pocket presence. Tom Brady, all time, right? Patrick Mahomes, too, and he has all the other things. Kenny Pickett's pocket feel needs to develop where he can stay comfortable and compose in the pocket. Sometimes he'll get dancy feet and dip out when he had more and more time. Then he'll also meet on the bone. If he can build on that, I think it's 184 passing yards per game, which was a little bit misconstrued because he left two games early with a concussion and a 30 came in the halftime. So around like 200 yards, give or take per game, 210. I'm pretty confident that, man, this is going to be a good quarterback. Will he be top 10? That might be a stretch for a guy that came into the league so late. But the good news of the Steelers is we see quick turnarounds every year in the NFL. And the Jaguars were a recent example of that. You have four years of Kenny if he's really good on a rookie contract with a defense next year, if TJ Watt stays healthy, which believe me is a massive if, that's going to be a top five unit. If he's not healthy, we're seeing Alex Highsmith develop into a number one outside linebacker. And that was my biggest takeaway this year. Highsmith was snubbed from the Pro Bowl. The guy I finished with, what is this? 14 and a half sacks. Five forced fumbles. That's the best outside linebacker duo this team has had since they went to the Super Bowl in 2010. Secondary is a big question with this team. Uh, William Jackson was a player they had midseason, didn't play. And they also have a big-time free agent, Cam Sutton. Great corner. Really good. And he might get poached from a team like the Vikings, who had in Brian Flores to be their DC. Former Steelers linebackers coach. Flores did a great job this year. One player he unfortunately could not save was Malice Jack. Uh, he came in from Jacksonville, and we expected him in Pittsburgh to be a true number one outside linebacker. And by the end of the season, he and Devin Bush were both not playing. 
guys like Robert Spillane, an undrafted free agent, and Mark Jackson, who I, Mark Robinson, excuse me, we're talking about Lamar before, I liked out of Ole Miss, took bigger and bigger roles. The Steelers have some holes defensively, cornerback, linebacker, but they have three picks in the top 50. They have two in the top 32. This is going to be a big offseason, not only for Kenny Pickett's development, but a first-time general manager in Omar Khan, who was more of a cap guy. He brought an assistant GM named Andy Weidel from Philadelphia. Now, the Eagles, they built a Super Bowl-winning team with Weidel being Howie Roseman's right-hand man, but what they won't tell you is that the Eagles in those years didn't draft very well at a place like wide receiver, uh, you know, Jalen Rieger, J.J. Arcega Whiteside. So, Jerry, they can develop these guys, but if Andy Weidel coming in, I hope he hasn't touched any of these receivers on the board. Whatever he does, just do the opposite. But I do think Weidel can kind of provide a new spark here to this front office. I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, I'm not going to discriminate because of his time in Philadelphia, where he may not be making the draft decisions. So, question, before we yeah. move on. Uh... Yep. What does Kenny Pickett need to be for the Steelers to actually contend? Because I think we're we're all we could all be in agreement. He's mm-hmm. not going to be Trevor Lawrence. No, he's not any. Uh, he's not Mahomes. He's not Justin Herbert. So, what is it that he can be to lead Pittsburgh to the Super Bowl? He needs to develop and maximize everything he can control. So he's a, he can run when he needs to, and he can make plays out of structure. We need him to throw for 4,000 yards next season, and we need him to stay healthy. Like I said before, it left two games early. The Ravens and the Buccaneers with concussions. We can't have any more concussions. That's a big concern. Salwatua, obviously, you're praying for this man's health. I love Kenny. I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of him. Um, but that's going to be a big thing. Can he stay healthy? Can he avoid those concussion issues? He actually changed his helmet. And the second thing would be increasing that level of productivity and also dial back the turnovers. Now, not all of his, what was it, seven interceptions were turnover worthy, but I mean, there were many plays where he got away with a drop interception or two. I think that to answer your question, Justin, is the biggest thing. He had, what is this, six touchdown passes? Now he had a couple rushing, he had some quarterback sneaks. Um, I just want to make sure this is correct. With Matt Canada as our offensive coordinator, I made a mistake. So a seven to nine, seven touchdowns to nine interceptions. Earlier in the year, seven interceptions. Two games of three. So. Two games of three, yep, right. The Ravens, or sorry, the Jets and the Dolphins. Now, those kind of snowball a little bit. Oh, man. I'm just worried about Matt Canada kind of uh, putting a, a seal on this offense. There's no creativity. It's pretty predictable. And those two things are pretty imperative for a play caller. So, Kenny has to overcome that as well here, which is which is a big gamble. Big gamble. I think, uh, I think Kenny's ceiling is a borderline top 10 quarterback. Kind of like a Dak Prescott type. Okay. That's Too pretty high. I, I didn't expect you to go that high. No, I don't. He's not that now. I think that is his, no, but that yeah. ceiling. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't expect you to say that. That's well. I mean, he's a prototype. Like when you look at it, think of a quarterback. Kenny Pickett is what a prototypical quarterback would look like. True. Uh, he take he took very good. If you look at his college years, his three first years weren't you know anything to look at, but then he took that massive jump in his mm-hmm. fourth year. So that showed that with you know consistency, sustainable maturation, yeah, he can get better. Yeah, he took a gamble, too. He could have went to the draft and been a seventh-round pick in 2020. He came out a year later, took the gamble on himself, historical season, historical run at Pitt, shattering Dan Moreno's records in his fifth year as a fifth-year yeah. starter, and then he's the first quarterback taken off the board. I know I said a lot right there. Too long, didn't want to listen to John. Matt Canada needs to go out to this season because he did a good job because now she was running the ball better. This offensive line for the Steelers has come together as well, too. With the first pick in the draft the Steelers have, 
they need to go left tackle or cornerback because Dan Moore is not good uh, in pass protection. I like to see him move to guard because he's a pretty good run blocker, just terrible penalties, untimely, of course, and then he's just not reliable as a blind side. The second thing, if Cam doesn't get better, you got to find somebody who can actually support this quarterback. And for Pickettman, this year will probably determine whether or not he's the franchise guy in Pittsburgh. I like to think he is, but we need to see steady growth with these quarterbacks. We saw some of it from Kenny, but 13 games is not quite a large enough sample size yet. Looking forward to seeing him develop next year. I want to see I want to see what they have in store. Yeah, one guy that's developed real quick, Justin, is uh, Jalen Brunson. Now, we had like four different Jalen Brunson topics in the show. I don't want to make it too long like some of the others. So we've gotten to a point with Jalen Brunson, Justin, where after being snubbed from the All-Star game, the guy's averaging 32 points per game and a career-high 24 per night. As a Knicks fan, you've seen point guards come and go again and again. We know this is the best point guard we've had in New York for the Knicks since the turn of the century, right? Yeah. But are we, have we not gone to a point where Jalen Brunson could lead the Knicks to something more? He's not just the star of New York, but maybe he can lead them out the first round here. Because you're hearing some New York radio. I want to hear what your takeaway was and what that specific New York radio take entailed. So uh, I'm a big WFAN guy, and there's a show that, uh, right before uh, Evan and I think it's, yeah, Evan Roberts and Greg Carton in the afternoon. It's Tiki and Tierney. Love listening to those guys. And they were talking. I just turned on my radio yesterday on my way to the gym, and they're talking about the Knicks potentially making a run for the Eastern Conference Finals. And as a Knicks fan, you know, I try not to get sucked into that because I don't want to get my hopes up. And I've learned over and over again as a Knicks fan never to get my hopes up because they'll always let me down. But it did make me think. Because when you look at the Eastern Conference, you look at the landscape, you see Kyrie and KD now out. The Knicks just broke an 11-game losing streak to the Nets now since that trade. I, I'd say... uh there's nobody in the Eastern Conference, I guess, that necessarily frightens you. You don't, you know, everybody seems to be beatable. I mean, you have, you, I respect the Boston Celtics. I respect the Milwaukee Bucks. I respect the Sixers and, and the Cleveland. But the Knicks have played them all competitively this season. And while, yeah, I get it, the playoffs are a different beast, it's a different animal. It's the same thing for those teams as well. You just never know. And, I, and I've said this countless times on this show, you get into the playoffs a lot of things can happen. You know, all it takes is just one team to get hot and, and that'll burst your bubble and a top seed is out of the out of the playoffs because they took a team and they took an opponent too lightly. And that's kind of how I see the playoffs kind of, it can shake out in the Knicks' favor. Do I see us getting to the Eastern Conference Finals? No. Do I see us getting out of the first round? Yes, that I do. Uh, now, to touch on your Jalen Brunson point, I think Jalen Brunson is averaging 23.8 points per game, if I'm not mistaken. That is the most a Knicks point guard has ever averaged in the history of our franchise. So that is saying a lot already. What we got out of Jalen Brunson, you know, when we paid him, some Knicks fans are saying, oh, we overpaid him. I was even skeptical of the signing because I felt like we needed more. But he has been all that and more for the Knicks since being snubbed from the all-star game listen to this 29 points 26 points 37 points 41 points 21 points 25 points 30 points 38 points 40 points 28 points 
And I didn't even go through rebounds and assists because it would have just taken up too much time and his field goal percentage. Jalen Brunson has been everything that we could have asked for and more. And then we made the trade for Josh Hart. Uh, in his first game, he had four, five steals that night. The fifth steal wasn't accounted in the in the stat sheet because the fifth steal was my heart. Uh, absolutely love what I've gotten to see out of Josh Hart. The perfect guy. It's a perfect energy guy. He just doesn't do anything that's going to blow your mind. He's not going to shoot the, the lights out, even though he did in his second yes. game with us. Uh, he's not going to be Ray Allen. He's not going to, you know, kill people on the boards. He, he's, he doesn't do he anything the boards. too spectacular. <laughs> but what he does do, he just does every part of the game right. He play, yeah. He's a spark plug. He fits into this this rotation so well. <clears throat> and there were questions whether or not he would even be able to, to mesh in the rotation. The way Tibbs has been with the nine-man rotation lately, he found his group. But Josh Hart has fit in seamlessly. Uh, the two Villanova boys look great. Now it's just about, all right, this second half of the season, let's get our consistent rotation. We're still missing an elite rim protector and Mitch Robinson. Yeah. And we've been, I think, eight and six since he's went down. So if we have been playing solid basketball without him, I could only imagine what we can be when he does get inserted back into the rotation. I think this Knicks team is is good very good and i think we're capable of shocking a couple people come april and may so i hear your points justin and it's great phenomenal um but i will tell you this what we're, we're again full disclosure we're playing the hypothetical game all team we're looking at all teams being completely healthy and their peaker powers in the playoffs okay that's just the best way to do it you're not competing with boston you're not competing with Milwaukee. Let's just get that out of the way, right? Okay. Currently, they're matched up to play the 76ers. Play the Sixers, yes. Right now, currently, they're matched up to play the 76ers. Um, that, I think, will 100% change because I still think Brooklyn is going to take a – I think Brooklyn will be in the play-in. Um, I, no, I do think Miami – Miami, it's – this is what I think. I think it's going to be Boston, not in any particular – Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, Cleveland – uh, New York and Miami are going to be your top six playoff teams. And then Brooklyn, Atlanta, Toronto, Washington, maybe Chicago and Indy uh, get in a, as a play-in teams, uh, a pair of four of those teams. If that's the case, yeah, that would pair us together probably five and six. If, if, if no, if we're, if you're four or we're four, four and five, we would match up in the first round, Miami and New York. Oh, it's four and five. Okay, okay, my yeah, bad. Yeah. Which isn't um, happening. <laughs> no, that's not happening because you're behind. Yeah, we're we're basically behind five, the Cavaliers, five six games for the Cavs and and Philadelphia. So I don't I don't see us catching them. So you're it's most tough. likely matching up with. It's either going to be us matched up against Cleveland or Philly, or you're matching up with Cleveland or Philly. That's really the matchups we're looking at here. Uh, I don't think you're going to beat Philly. I think it's going to be a tough series. I think you can go six games with them, uh, but I think Philly gets it done in six. Cleveland, I think similar. I think you can push Cleveland to seven. I do, but I still think I I would take Cleveland, uh, winning that uh, seventh game. And if if by some miracle you match up with Miami, I know it's not really possible, but if some miracle happens, whatever, somebody slips on a banana peel, uh, I do think Miami can beat you in a seven game series. I do. I know you've had the our our number last couple of games or whatever in the regular season this year, but again, yeah, like you said, 
It's the regular season. Teams play different in the playoffs. You know Jimmy is a one definitive top 10 player in the playoffs. So it, it's just going to be a different animal, and I don't think that you're going to – especially with Coach Spo. Yeah, you're yeah. not beating us in the playoffs. It'll I go think- seven. It'll go seven, Justin. I'll give you that respect. It will go seven. But I don't think you beat us. The Knicks have had Cleveland's number the last two times as well. In the playoffs or regular season? In the regular season so far. I'm yeah. talking this year. Yeah. The, now the team has made the playoffs the yeah. last two years. Um, we have to discuss Reyes the last one year. The Heat are funny because they were the best shooting team in percentage last year from three. This year they're 28th. So they are a different team than where they were the last two years. Now, with the Knicks, Justin, many people hated the Josh Hart trade because he couldn't shoot in Portland. Mm-hmm. I was many people. And he has been phenomenal in the Knicks uniform. 64% through three in three games uh, from three. And he also, you said before, he hasn't had that elite skill. He might be the best guard defender in the NBA. And it's such a superlifous, random, you know, kind of relevant skill. But for a player like him that tries so hard defensively, when he's making shots, he's a great transition player. You can never have too many Villanova guys. And I like to feel like when your team doesn't have that superstar, you need as many gritty players as you can get. And that's what Josh Hart is. Jalen Brunson this year, fun fact, guys. Two years ago, Jalen Brunson was getting benched in a series versus the Clippers because he brought no defensive versatility. Today, less than two years later, he is second in the league in contested three-point attempts. Number one is Evan Mobley of the Cleveland Cavaliers. He is second in charges behind only Kedrich Williams with 22 on the season. Jalen Brunson has been one of the better defenders on a Knicks defense that isn't very good. But here's the thing. Who would have thought coming into the season that the Knicks would have a top-six offense through 55 games? Mm-hmm. Not a soul. Not a single soul. And that is because Jalen Brunson has been every bit an all-star the Knicks pay him to be. When you look at this offseason, moves like DeJounte Murray, where you're getting up three first-rounders for a mid-starting point guard, is a joke relative to signing Jalen Brunson for cap space. Jalen has been a top-ten point guard. And when you stack him up to the veterans like Fred Van Vliet and Chris Paul, guys that have proven it in more seasons, I would rather have Jalen Brunson over all those guys because he's 26 years old and still developing. He is one of the craftiest ball handlers. His bag, I was talking about my buddy River Brown, pick a side. It's one of the deepest in the NBA. He's got a killer crossover. And for a player you don't look at as athletic, he has one of the quickest first steps in the game, oh, yeah. Justin. You see all the time. He hits you with that cross, a little in and out triple. He would gain Mikel Bridges, his former Villanova teammate, with it the other night versus the Nets before Mikel last night had 45. I think Brunson is the best player on this Knicks team. And because you have him in the fold, the same way he beat Donovan Mitchell in a three game series last year. Two to one with no Luka Doncic. I don't think it's crazy to say this next team could take the Cavs seven games. I think it's very realistic given how well he has played. I will say this, Justin. You know, I know I clown the Knicks and whatnot. You know, we we, we have fun. We have fun, right? We have fun. Uh, but I will say, the Knicks in all in all series, uh, the Knicks have are building a very good base for a championship team, right? I think you understand what you're missing, and it's that superstar. Mm-hmm. I would hope you understand that I don't think you're going to get any of the top five players currently playing right now. Um, maybe not even any of the top 10 uh, players, unless you can name one out there. So that's where my trouble comes in, where you have the base, you're building a base. You know, you've got those players that you would love on a championship team that John talks about, the gritty guys, three and D guys, the guys will do the dirty work and whatnot. You got the, 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 Jalen Brunson, who will make these spark plays and, and, and can take over a game. 
but what you're missing is that superstar. And I, I just don't see a path where the Knicks can get that superstar in the next year or two and capitalize on what they currently have right now. Mm-hmm. That's my issue. I, I'd, say, I'd say the only only thing that would benefit the Knicks in that regard is, uh, you know, no more big super teams, no more big threes. Uh, I think we have a chance when, yeah, there's a couple duos out there. I mean, we have our own little duo there. And like I said, it's more so about who gets hot. Julius Randle's a top 10 MVP candidate right now. And, and while we don't look Come at on. him, Come no, on. he in, in the voting, he is. I don't care. But Jalen Brunson's the most valuable player in that next team. Yeah. No, I'm I'm talking more about like what's the percentage? He's actually odds on in the top ten. Well, those voters are tripping because Jalen Brunson's better and more. Oh, you're, no, you I get that, but J- Julius Randle has also had probably a better year than his All NBA season that he had a couple seasons ago. Well, yeah, in his All NBA season, you guys are twenty third in offense. Now you're top six. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he's a, he's a better player now than he was then. So you got to give Jules his credit too, because you can't have Jalen Brunson playing that well without Julius Randle complimenting. They both benefit from each other. So, uh, but that's what I'm saying, Justin. Like, yeah, you have your little duo, but they don't match up against a duo like if Middleton and Giannis are mm-hmm. they don't match. I up hear that. And mm-hmm. So, that's the problem. Um, and I don't think they even match up with Harden and and then Embiid. No, but so that, that's, that's it's I'm more saying. about now, it's just uh, the pieces that you have around it. And but that's what I'm saying. Like, who. Because you got to be objective. You got a capital. Your window is short, like we all talk about in sports. Mm. You have a short window with this team that you're building this base and fundamental with. But you need that top five, top ten. You need player. that star. Who well, is Justin. that guy? I need. I need to. You know. And I don't see a path. I don't have I'm a name. So I, I can't. And give I you think a name. That, that's the good what news. Sucks though. is that I think these this Knicks team will be remembered as a a pretty damn good team that just needed one thing to get them over the top, and now they're going to have to start over from scratch. That could be the case, but this Knicks team has a long runaway here. Justin, you talked about their young core. Manuel quickly is twenty three years old, and um, what do you think with his third year jump? He's taken in some ways. Uh, he's gotten better and better. I, I've always felt like IQ, honestly. If we didn't sign Brunson, I was more than happy with having him start the season as our starting point guard just to force him to develop because Tibbs, you know, used to mess around with minutes so many times. But now getting to see IQ play more and more and even get out there with the, with the starters too, you know, he, he's, a, he's a firecracker, man. He, he, he can light you up from deep, but he's also he's grabbing boards. He's, he's playmaking. He's getting his assists. He's, and defensively, with him and Grimes on the floor defensively, it's they're locking dudes up. Cookie jar. Exactly. So I, I'm I'm super excited with this next group. We're young. So I understand what you guys say. The window is is very small. But that's it's not small. It's it's, not it's, small. it's it's not as yeah, that's the thing. It's not as not at all bad as you're saying, Brandon. We're, we got a very young group. Nobody's gonna be paid out the ass. I'm sorry. Real nobody's quick, lighting oldest it up. Rotation players, Julius Randle. He's twenty eight. That's their oldest rotation player. What are you doing the small what do you mean? Mitch is our longest tenured Nick, and we just extended him. We extended RJ, and RJ is probably our most movable piece at the moment. Uh, if if we get a star, I don't know if there's a star out there for us, but, yeah, but see again, a lot of I'm things change in the offseason. I'm, I'm literally talking three to five years from now. Who is that star that's going to come available to capitalize? But see, the thing it, it's I, unpredictable. Can't, that, no that, yeah, it's unpredictable because you don't know. What goes on in the West that goes downhill, and the next thing you know, somebody's available. You never know. Okay. Stars move every offseason. I mean, I don't see it. 
You don't see it until it happens. Is Jokic and I would Did we expect Donovan Nate Mitchell to be moved after four years in Utah? Yes. No, we didn't. What are you you said Donovan Mitchell? Yes, we expected him. He'd been on the trade after block. Everybody years. was calling for Mitchell to leave. After no. Within four within four years, no one expected that. And the same thing goes for Kevin Durant. All these yes, stars they when things did, don't dude, go I well, was we, telling you. I was literally we, telling we, you. Don you told Mitchell us all about them. You, but not everybody saw that. So we'll see. They should have saw it. If you're a great player like that and you see that your team's got no you're not going anywhere, then you gotta go and make yourself a, a give yourself a better shot. Well, that's what I'm saying. Years. Like, tell me who is Jokic leaving? Is Jamal Murray leaving? Within two years, the Jazz went from a number one seed to what's now a rebuilding team. And then the Nets, they went from a, a absolute heavyweight to a team that is now rebuilding. It's hard to predict think about, that. And that's that's what I'm saying. The Knicks can go from – they can either go up or they can go down. So that's what I'm saying. You never – you can't predict that. But I'm just saying, tell me, there's not a guy that's going to become available. I'm sorry. I can't I, I just – like I said, that's, that, that is unpredictable. It's easy for you to you say You never that. know. I you don't never think know. so. And, and then the thing is – and then we're – None of us know. And then we're taking into account – I can't think of a name right now that we didn't know ahead of time that wanted to be out, unless I'm completely, unless you can name me. But what, what what if we Who? drafted one? Right, who's the who's the superstar that you think is? You think Wembenyana? You're not getting Wembenyana. Did you think Donovan Mitchell was going to be a superstar? Thirteenth pick. I don't watch college basketball, Justin. So you. you but know. but that's but that's my point that there's been players in the league now that have been drafted. I, I get like, what you're saying. You know, I get what you're saying. Like think about a guy like. Uh, Halliburton that we could have had over Obi Toppin. He's not a superstar though. Oh, he is a franchise point guard. He's not a superstar. He's a franchise guy. And he's he's how old? Twenty three. Yeah, he's averaging twenty he's and ten this year. Right so that's superstar like comes to me. But um, he will be. But you just never know who's going to be available. We've developed our young players pretty well. If we, you know, next thing you know, we could draft somebody that might take that step. You, that would be my dream. I for us to draft this star in house, I think that's everybody's that everybody's dream. Yeah, it is, it is. But with all the picks that we have, if we if we have to trade up for somebody that we feel very confident in, I'm sure we can. Right, we'll see. Sorry for interrupting a little bit right there. I love this next direction, Jay Wright. I love Jalen Brunson for this team. Now for IQ, he gets to learn behind him. They've got the right veterans in place, and they've got three or four young guys here in Emmanuel. Mm -hmm. RJ, who's more of an asset, Quinton, and then who else am I forgetting here in that mix? Obi. Obi, yeah. There we go. The deadline. Obi should have been moved. Tim's Jericho Sims. I love Sims. I wish Toppin could play with a guy like Tyrese who could actually get him and go in and pick and roll some. But Tibbs has – this is what frustrates me about Tibbs. He just is so old school. He doesn't actually open up the offense to the young guys – total failure on his part uh, to get Obi Toppin going, and that, that frustrates me in, in many ways. It irritates me to no end. Do you guys, do you guys know what Julius Randle is shooting from three this year? 37? 33.8. He was at 40 a couple weeks ago. So 30, He's a fluctuator. So it's yeah. 34.34% basically. So I just saw a report. The only reason I bring it up, I saw a report from Shams. Uh, Julius Randle is expected to join the three-point contest because Anthony Simons... Uh, Except for the ankle injury, and I'm just laughing like Julius Randle really in a three point contest. Okay, imagine imagine he wins. We play this clip, he's not good. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. More of an elbow post up kind of guy. Yeah. So, no, I like Julius too. He's having a good season 25 points of the career high for him. So, um, I'm happy. A career high, um, in New York from two as well. 
He's a good player, man. Yeah. yeah I remember since he was an LA uh, Laker. Yeah. I like Julius. Mm-hmm. Always, always been a player that's developed. You know, he's had his rough patches, but this has been I his high volume Kentucky. season. That's when I actually watched that March Madness. I liked him in Kentucky a lot. He impressed he's... the hell out of me with his tenacity, his ability to get those offensive rebounds at a not very high. two of those. Height. Two of those again. Yeah. Yeah. With all that being said, is there anything else you guys like to add on that? I'm going to say as guys get ready, baseball season is back. Pitches and catches reporting to spring training. I got my Yankee gear. I'm ready. Justin, I'll strike you out. Yeah, in your dreams. <laughs> no, all I got to say is Justin's going to be probably a little jealous. I'm going to see Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania tonight. I'm tonight? Excited. Opening night, dude. I go every opening night, bro. I'm on it. When the tickets go- get released, Brandon goes boom, boom. But I'm in. I'm going to try and go this weekend. I'm excited. I can't wait to kick off to space. It's not safe. No. Let's go. Love Paul Rudd. With all that being said, I'll wrap up episode number 76 of the Wisecast Podcast. Thank you so much for watching. Staying to the very end. And as always, we'll see you next time. Stay classy.